This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming podcast. I am Rich Lapore, Jordan Alseka. And we are here to talk about some games, and it is quite a season of video games right now. We are right in the midst of craziness. It is really going down. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's 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 October, November, it's that time of year. Uh, more games come out than one can reasonably play if they're no longer still in college or high school. It's so true. It is very true, and it makes me it pine for the younger days uh, when I did have, you know, hours and hours and hours every day to dedicate just to gaming, especially what with one of the big games I've been playing, and that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That game is massive. If you haven't heard, that game is... I mean, it's 2x the, at least any Assassin's Creed you've ever played. And Assassin's Creed are long games. Origins was a bear. Black Flag was a freaking bear. Um, and this game is at least double, if not triple, the length of those. And it's just, it never ends. They really, anyway, we'll talk more about that. Um, but uh, but before we get to the games we've been playing, we're going to talk about some news. And uh, there are two kind of bitter, no, I was going to say bittersweet. There's no real sweet in them. <laughs> but, no, they're, um, go ahead. they're big. They're, they're related to the game's development process. Uh, one, was, one is a little older now. I think it came out right after our last recording. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they've both been in the news. And uh, it, it speaks to where AAA game production is right now. It's um, true. It's true. But, yeah. Um, in the lead up to uh, to you know Red Dead coming out, um, we're recording this a couple days before its release, which will probably change the face of gaming forever, the way it looks. Um, but you know, along with that comes some some issues, and we'll be talking about what those issues are, and and sort of a cautionary tale um, of where game development can lead in a couple different directions, whether successful un- or unsuccessful. There are a lot of pitfalls, um, so that'll be interesting to talk about. We're also going to talk about. Um, the games we've been playing. I already teased a little Assassin's Creed. Um, I know uh, we've both played some Mario Party, right? Yes, we did indeed. Um, and uh, and a couple other things. And um, why don't you talk about our main topic, because it was your idea, and um, and sort of let people know the inspiration of why we're going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about. So for our main topic today, we are going to discuss multiplayer game modes uh, of all kinds. Uh, the big reason for this is if you look at this fall, uh, Call of Duty, you know, is one of the biggest game series in the world, and it went completely multiplayer this time around. However, single-player, doable, zombies may be. There's no campaign in Black Ops. Uh, also, there's some really big multiplayer games coming out between uh, Super Mario Party, which we mentioned but are going to talk more about. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is coming out in just over a month. Uh, it, it's just – it's been on my mind a lot. Uh, of course, I've been playing Overwatch <laughs> since every uh, time we record every time we record it's like well overwatch has an event going on right now every time and obviously that's a big i mean i feel more connected to multiplayer modes specifically than i have in a long time uh you know more so than we've done co-op before we've talked about that co-op will definitely come up but you know multiplayer is for a lot of people especially i think you know as a kid you think of multiplayer games in ways four people can play together and certainly back then co-op was less prominent than it was I was going to say now, but maybe more like five or ten years ago when when they really started doing co-op campaigns a lot more. Yeah. Um, But, no, multiplayer is just – it's been on my mind a lot. 
we haven't really discussed those experiences specifically before, and I think we will have a lot of fun things to talk about and reminisce over. Sounds good. Well, without any further ado, um, let's start on a on a. Uh, well, it's an it's it's an instructive note. That's the best way I can put it. Um, and talk about Telltale. Um, Telltale is a company. If you want to talk about going back into history and 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 having a you know a near and dear place in my heart, uh, Telltale is a company that created a lot of excellent experiences. Um, you know, even before their huge breakout with the Walking Dead game, um, you know, they did the Sam and Max games past a certain point. Um, Puzzle Agent was really cool. Um, I don't think Jurassic Park or, or uh, Back to the Future games were that stellar, but <laughs> they were interesting for sure. Um, and then since then, they just put out some real, I mean, it's been hit or miss, but some real winners. I know you were a big Tales from the Borderlands fan, right? Yeah. And then um, there's not only that, but then the Batman is a really fantastic game, at least the first one. I've heard the second is pretty good. I'm a huge fan of A Wolf Among Us, um, the Fables game that they made. Um, so they made some really great content. But alongside all of that, we've been hearing forever pretty much that it's run uh, not super well. And so for a long time there, there was this guy who I don't know his name. Do you know the guy's name, the guy who ran it before the new guy? No, not off the top of my yeah, head. But anyway, there was there was a director slash studio head there, um, and he was a bit of a tyrant. Um, I think just from the stories that I've read on Kotaku and other places, the idea I get is that he had that success with The Walking Dead, and ever since then he's been able to sort of be like, um, you know all this work you just did? Scrap it, because I have a better idea. And he would just, you know, send people on these big missions to do this crazy amount of work. Um, they'd have to work, you know, ridiculous 80-hour weeks, and then he would scrap all their work in favor of a new idea that just came to his head. So it was very arbitrary, not run super well. But at the end of the day, you know, it was hard to argue with the results. Um, a lot Recently, a lot of the games that came out were... were kind of like a great example is guardians guardians of the galaxy the telltale series is just such a it's just such a misstep i don't know what else you can really say about it i played the first one and i i mean i think i fell asleep um while i was playing i mean it, it was that uh, just just off and you can imagine they paid a lot of money for that license so you know they, they had some missteps and then finally that led up to um that creative director studio head guy being ousted and they brought in the head of i guess he was from zynga was it um, uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, and and so, you know, a guy that knows how to make money out of video games, right? The epitome of making money from video games is mobile games and microtransactions and, you know, figuring out how to bring um, statistics and commerce into the game design equation and potentially, you know, make as much money as you can from your creative properties. Um, in my opinion, thus sapping some of the creativity from them by definition. But you would think that a guy like that would be just the kind of guy to come in and save Telltale from, you know, apparently it was it was floundering. They had a big layoff session of, I think, like 80 or 90 people. Maybe it was 50 a while back, about a year or so ago. And everybody thought, okay, they've righted the ship. They got this new guy on board. Things are moving in the right direction. And then they even announced a deal with Netflix, um, where they were going to be doing, like, a Stranger Things sh uh, game to tie in with the show, and they were going to be doing, like, just, just working with Netflix. Minecraft stuff. Right, right, big deal. Um, and uh, it seemed like everything was moving in the right direction, and then, boom, um, the bombshell hit uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, and uh, what, what, what was it, Jordan? So back on September 21st, it was announced that 90% of the workforce was laid off that day. Uh, and that they were basically, you know, they were going under majority studio closure. Uh, <clears throat> there was 
there was to be a team of 25 employees. And this is down from, you know, about a 225, 250 employee team. Which was already left, dwindled a bit, right. Yeah, left to sort of finish out obligations. Um, it was a little fuzzy for a while. I don't know how official it because people weren't sure. But it seems like they were staying on to finish Minecraft story mode. And all the other projects were canceled. Um, the including, Wolf Among Us sequel. Including uh, Walking Dead, which was... The Walking Dead 4. That was the big one. That was what, At first, people were like... Are they going to finish that off? But yeah, it was said that that was going to be closed uh, off as well. Um, and, you know, it was it was a big shock initially. And then, you know, once once you've been fired from the studio like that, a lot more stuff started to come out about that negative work environment, about the crunch, about the fact that it hadn't been a great place to work at. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that's not immediately surprising. Telltale built themselves on being the Gabe a month uh, model. And honestly, even early on, they weren't the best at keeping to it. But I think recently they picked up so many projects. There was always something coming out. Yeah. And I can imagine that, especially if this team had shrugged some, really getting to be a stressful situation with that few people, especially when we were going to talk about Rockstar and their enormous uh, number of uh, employees. And now granted, these are projects on very different scales. A lot of people had compla been complaining that the Telltale engine has showed its age for years now. And still really hasn't been updated. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, it just became this situation where they had been pushing and pushing and putting all out all this content, but it ended up somehow not being enough. And now they're uh, they're they're closed. Mostly, uh, I think at this point, that skeleton crew is gone. And yeah. what's left Skybound Entertainment, which is the uh, Robert Kirkman run thing came in to be like we're gonna help we're gonna make a deal and f get the original team to come over to us and finish out the walking dead season four but um that's it yeah essentially telltale is is no more and there's a lot of interesting you know points around this i think one of the aside from the bad working conditions which we'll talk about in a moment because that's the real point is 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 just the the terrible treatment of of the employees at that company both while they were working there as well as in you know this happening nobody had any idea it was this dire um there were supposed to be three funding rounds that were going to come in all three of them fell through um and it just so many things conspired to make this happen but at the end of the day i think it's important to ask yourself uh you know why is it that telltale's model didn't work and why is it that that this wasn't able, i mean again like i said the, the big issue here is is the people involved but also it's interesting to look at the studio from a more um I don't know, objective perspective and say, what is it that killed the studio? Think about the properties they were working with. Guardians, Batman, Walking Dead, Minecraft, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things yeah. Right. I mean, they had the best, one of the best lineups, Game of Thrones. They had one of the best lineups and the and the best deals ever. Now, it's possible. We don't know what the math on this is. It's possible that they paid through the nose for those licenses. I think it's probably pretty likely um, that those deals maybe could have been made better or maybe that they should have gone inward and, and maybe tried to make, you know, uh, I don't know, cheaper properties. Fables, you know, The Wolf Among Us, I don't know how that sells compared to Game of Thrones. But if it sold relatively equally or, or only a little bit less, then obviously go for that. I'm sure the Fables license is infinitely cheaper than game of thrones is so i don't know what those decisions are and what the money looks like but it's just hard to imagine 
that a company with this kind of these kind of connections and this kind of trust. I mean, imagine Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, all these different properties allowing Telltale, Batman allowing Telltale to make their games. There was a lot of trust there. Um, obviously, there was a lot they were doing right. How do they f it up this bad? And I guess that's an interesting question for me. What do you think about that? I mean, the the question to me would be. To, to try to see, and I don't know how publicly their sales numbers are, but I, I mean, what was the diminishing returns on something like The Walking Dead, which, if you include the Michonne miniseries, was in its fifth season of right. game. Um, you have to have, like, as popular as it was, you, you need people to have played three previous games to really be invested in that fourth one. Um, so just looking at Walking Dead, excuse me, as big as it was... Um, you know, what was the diminishing return on it? What was yeah. the diminishing return on something like the smaller properties? If, you know, people liked uh, the Batman game but didn't come back for the second one. Guardians of the Galaxy, how big was that? And really just generally, when you look at a game studio that's made, what, 20 seasons, as, as they call them, each game a season, 20 seasons of games that are all essentially the same thing yeah. uh, mechanically – I mean, I didn't play. I didn't keep up with Telltale recently. No, I mean, I certainly didn't. wasn't on top of them the way I was when Tales and um, the original Walking Dead were coming out and when they Wolf, were putting out Even Wolf Among Us. Yeah, Even Wolf Among Us. There are properties I was interested in. Um, like I, I like the bat. I like Batman. I wanted. I've played a few of those episodes, but it, there's just. It, it was. It wasn't as compelling playing those same game types over and over and if, over. Again. If I had heard that they had overhauled their engine. And they were bringing out the Wolf Among Us and the new Batman game with a brand new engine and, like, new mechanics, some wrinkle, something different. It would have been the thing that would have gotten me to try out another Telltale game again. Because I was lapsed. I mean, I don't think I've given Telltale any money for two years. Period. Um, and I used to give them 20 to $40 a year, I'd say. Um, so just looking at myself, and I play a lot of video games... You know, that's just one person's example of how they fell off these games. And, and you know, it's just – and I know they were always selling them for really cheap just after they came out. And they'd be on all those – you know, now that now that consoles do what Steam does and have those big discounts, I mean, all the time you can get them for 5 or $10 for the whole season, three or four months after they were done coming out. I, of course, I'd know to wait for that. So that also hurt – things um but like i said if i'd known that they were going to overhaul things and for better or worse just try something new i would have bought the next one don't you think that would have done it for you or at least made you curious again i mean yeah there's definitely the sense that <clears throat> i mean even with with games i know i'm gonna enjoy it's like there, i also wonder what it's like how important is episodic buying to them and, and how many people have stuck to that like to have people switched over to just wanting to buy the whole season i i love the life i mean that I love Life is Strange. I haven't started Life is Strange 2 yet. I mean, I don't play yeah. any of these really episodically. No, no, it's it's true. It's uh, it's definitely an, an interest. I mean, and they were the ones who really sort of spearheaded that model. But then look at Hitman. Granted, they're on their own and they're doing better than ever now. But like, I I mean, that, that didn't really end well, at least for a time, right? Doing that episodic release. Um, I, I Again, you know, I'm, I'm muddying the waters by throwing that in there, but... It is interesting to look at, like, is episodic gaming viable? It's certainly doing great for Don't Not, at least at least ostensibly. Um, you know, there are other games, uh, which we I really loved Remember Me. I know you liked it, too. Um, and then, you know, Vampire. Neither of those are huge sales hits, although I've heard Vampire is more of a hit than I ever would have imagined, and there's a show coming somehow. Um, but, 
you know, Life is Strange is definitely their biggest game, and it's probably the cheapest to make. In fact, definitely the cheapest to make of their properties. Um, yeah. And it's episodic, which is interesting. They did that interesting thing recently where they brought out, um, you know, the Adventures of Captain Spirit free. Um, it, it appealed to me almost zero, but that's beside the point. Um, it's an interesting idea to put that out and get people interested back into the universe. And now the new one they're putting out is very politically charged, you know, and that's interesting. It's, it's, it's dealing with problems of our day and, and, and immigration and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So that that's interesting. They're doing daring, bold things. And I think the fact that they're willing to tackle bold topics, um, is kind of their bread and butter, but really who's going to continue the telltale throne? Who's going to move forward? And it, and it, and it's don't nod. And who else? Is there anyone else doing it? Sky Not majorly that I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, potentially. Yeah. No, it's – it's. I mean, it's a lot of things. I wonder about the number of people still playing them regularly, the number of people not waiting until it's over, and just, you know, market dilution. When you look at the past uh, – like 2017, they released five ga- different games yeah. in that period. Uh, not all of them came out or started or ended in 2018, but you had episodes for five different series come out in 2017. That's a major – I mean you're splitting your own market at that point. Not everyone can play every single one of them. I mean if you're doing a Batman and a Guardian series, I mean you're going to get a lot of fan crossover yeah. in that mode. Yeah, it's true. Um, OK, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the studio conditions aspect of it all. So in the, in the aftermath of this Telltale thing, it came out that – um, you know, people were crunching right up until this happened. No one had any idea it was coming, really, even relatively high up people. I heard somebody that was left in that 25-person crew that was like, well, I still have a job. I didn't see this coming. And they're one of the 25, you know, that yeah. stayed. Um, And not only that, but one guy made a really compelling tweet that made the rounds. I'm sure you saw it, Jordan, where he said, wow, I just crunched for no overtime pay for the last such and such months. Now I'm out at the end of the month with no insurance and no severance. Really wish I hadn't done that. Um, And then he wrote, um, note to game developers out there, take care of yourself because game companies don't give a shit or something like that. Um, yeah. And it was really compelling and, and it really made the point well. There are no unions, there at least yet. Um, there is no way to really protect yourself. And with a company like this, even though I, I've heard that in California, where is it California Telltale? I think so now. Um, anyway, I, I heard that in one state that is involved California, in this. California, yeah. Yeah. I think that in California, the law is that if you're going to let let somebody go with no severance, you have to give them 60 days notice, which none of these people got. However, that doesn't matter when there's no money. Um, and, and I don't know how that's all going to play out, but I mean, it's the ultimate example of take care of yourself first. You know, you got to get a work life balance going. It's easy for me to say if I was at telltale, I'd probably be willing to work 60 hours, you know, just to make my, well, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like you, you can say that and it can be what you should do and it should be what a, um, industry should be, but gaming more so than like any other is like, that's the culture that unfortunately is in most companies. I mean, we're going to talk about that with rockstar as well. It's like. Crunch is just – it's not like a thing that might happen. It is It is essentially you're guaranteed if you're going to go into game development, you better be ready for that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. Um, and another thing too, like you said, is – right, it's ubiquitous. But also it's sort of part and parcel with video games. So video games are – and I think – and I make no bones about saying this. And I've watched a lot of documentaries and I, you know, I've been – it's been an abiding passion for me throughout my life. So I know a lot about this. Aside from, and I've worked at a company before, so I, I know how much work making games is. And straight up, 
it's way more work than any other medium, no question. Yes, it's not as lonely as being an author of a novel. Yes, it's not as, you know, it's it's collaborative like making movies, but not as, you know, big scale and everybody in the room at the same time and, and moving, you know, trolleys and, you know, 300 people have to be working all at the same time on the exact same scene. Um, so it's different in that way. So there are challenges with the other mediums, but I don't think any of them require as much just sheer work, um, just sheer dogged, you know, just pounding it. I mean, the the artists and the programmers on games are just I, I, I still can't believe they come out with what Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I mean, when you I mean, yes, granted, it took multiple studios to make that. But still, I'm still I don't care if 600 people worked on it. I'm still in awe of it. I mean, it's the sort of thing where, I mean, yeah, it's it's like, and I mean, you know, I it's the question, right? Because if you want games like that, short of having just massively larger budgets for bigger productions, like like bigger uh, staffs, you can't make them in, like, if games, if, if games were made on a 40-hour schedule, um, you know, it would probably be like 10 years before we saw a sequel. Things would become outdated, and I mean, that's another problem of game development, where you see that... No other medium, really, do you have, like, a team of hundreds of people working on stuff for, like, three months at 68 hours, and they'll be like, you know what, this didn't work, we're gonna throw it all out and start over. Right, and also that, that happens in gaming. And that reminded me of another thing about gaming that's unique, and that is uh, the, the, the what do you call it, the, the bang and the bust, or whatever it's called. You make a game, and you are nothing but working on that game for 60, 80 hours a week, and then it comes out. And then your studio, let's say you're a studio that like develops for another production company or you're a studio that's working on someone else's game and you do like contract work or any number of other things that, you know, people talk about less but are big parts of the game industry. You got a big project that's making tons of money. You might hire 200 extra people for your studio. Then when that project is over, what happens? A lot of those people get laid off or, you know, there's or the company says we're going to be ethical and pay everybody and then the studio goes under. You know, it's just there's so many challenges to the way the swell of what it takes to get a triple a title out the door and then how that recedes after that's done yeah i mean it, it really it constantly raises the question i think especially with these two stories back to back and the other story is you know rockstar had a big profile for red dead redemption 2 given that it is their first game in what five years their first like big game i don't know if they've published other smaller things but it's the first game since gta 5 um, you know, they talked about having, well, I wish I'd pulled up the exact quote, but essentially, you know, pulling hundred hour weeks. Basically, basically Dan Hauser said, um, on, he was, he was, a, it was, a, first of all, let's, let's put it in context. It was a long form interview where he was talking in depth about his personal experience making this game. And he's like, it was not rare for us to work 80 hour, 80 and a hundred hour weeks while we were finishing up this game. And that was all he said. He didn't specify that was me. That was my buddy's, you know, he just said that's what we had to do. And then it everything blew up. You know, the shit hit the fan. Kotaku had an article. Polygon had an article. And people blew up about it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable. No, because not those at are, all. Like, those are borderline, you know, un, not borderline unhealthy. That's an unhealthy work schedule. Absolutely. For no any question. amount of time. No question. Now, he went on to clarify that he supposedly, and I got air quotes going that you can't see in podcast listener land, but supposedly he was talking about his, like, three musketeers, him and the other two people who basically wrote the game. 
um, and they would get together and they spent basically, you know, 18 hours a day working on it. And that's fine. If he wants to opt in on that, you know, he can do that. But then it started coming out that a lot of people in Rockstar did crunch pretty badly, and this sort of all came to light. And then Rockstar made a really interesting decision, and again, I'm throwing all this out there. This is just stuff I've heard here and there. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, to, to let let people at the studio talk about it freely? Am I right about that? Didn't I hear that somewhere? Um, yes. Uh, but, well, I, I, there was a really interesting article. I think it was posted just yesterday. I'll, I'll reference a little uh, called – I had it pulled up specifically for this reason. Um, and I lost it. <laughs> no, Inside Rockstar's uh, – Inside Rockstar Games Culture of Crunch is written for Kotaku by Jason Schreier, who's someone I know we both Love. have read a lot of. Uh, he's yeah a, a big games reporter, uh, but yeah no they were they were allowed to speak out on Twitter to talk with the press, um, and then as well you know they they made it very they were like no uh you know crun- these crunch hours it's mandatory or it's not mandatory it's uh voluntary right you know they've come out and said that um the the problem is you know when you look at these big things a lot of it especially as the stories have started to come out a little more as much as they can. Because a lot of people are still yes, fearful. People are are still not going to say like, "Hey, I'm you know working on the art team, making blah 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 assets all night." Obviously, people are going to know who that is, and then say, "This is bullshit. I can't work for a company like this anymore." And then like not worry about maybe not being fired tomorrow, but three months from now they're going to remember that. Like you, you you know when you love your job, and a lot of people have said that. Like it's bad. I wish it wasn't this way, but I do love my job. You know, so it's it's a balance. I mean, it's that sort of thing in games in general, and it's unfortunate because that's what bigger studios and the sort of people that are going to exploit that are looking for. Like, developers want to work on games. That's why you don't, you know, you don't just stumble into game development. No. Uh, you do it because you love it, and even when the work is hard, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, when you hear the, the quote where he's like, you know, I volunteered in for those 16, 18-hour days. You know, people doing that is, if it is the situation where it was truly 100% their choice to work that extra long – because they're passionate about it and, you know, they're getting paid, well, you know, that's a thing. But when you have so many individual studios in several locations and you have different team leads who are going to, you know, enforce things in different ways, it's – I mean, Rockstar is massive. You can't keep as close an eye on it as you could on a Telltale situation if they had someone dedicated to that. Like you're going to – things are going to come through. You're going to get that culture of fear. Right. Um, the really interesting thing reading the – Kotaku article was they invited uh, Jason Schreier to come to the studio and like talk to people, but it was a situation where they had like five employees together on a stream along with like the head of PR and uh, one of the other higher ups in the same place. So it's like they're telling them to speak candidly, but it's like it was interesting because reading it, it's like they couldn't understand that people might be fearful of retaliation from their higher ups for the things they say, regardless of what they say is okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, the other thing too I heard was that some of this, these problems come in with contractors um, and people that are working in QA. Um, so there are like outsourced departments at different companies that do quality assurance, which essentially means playing the shit out of certain parts of the game and stress testing it, checking out online stuff, servers, whatever, putting the, you know, pedal to the metal on every aspect of this game and making sure it's perfection after seven years. Um, and those teams only recently in the last two, three, four months, 
um, said that, you know, it really was was mandatory for them to work 54 to 60 hour weeks. Um, and if you didn't, it was very clear that you didn't have much of a future there. Um, and if you didn't do it one week, if you needed a full weekend off for whatever God for God knows what reason that might be right to have a full weekend off, um, that you would then need to like make it up on another weekend and work that entire weekend. And so then have like a 12 hour, 12 day work week. Right. And this, so, yeah, right. And so essentially, um, what would happen is what, what happened was that department changed. So some of this coming out, in fact, all of this coming out is a very good thing, but there is some positive change coming from it. And that studio has since called everyone into a room and said, this is now voluntary. And if you don't need, you can't do it. You can't do it. No problem. It won't be held against you. We promise. So again, words are words. Um, I'm sure the people that still said, fuck it, I'm going to kill myself for this game probably are going to look good to the boss still, you know, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you can't, it's also human nature. I mean, it's, it's a, there, there's other things to consider to me are like, okay, well, Red Dead's about to come out. (laughs) So, I mean, all the crunch is theoretically, at least for a little while over. I mean, it's a, like, if they're going to do this for public facing reasons, now's certainly the best time for it. That's a great, I mean, that's, that is a cynical look, but at the same time, it's like, they're not going to, it's Rockstar. They're not going to put another game out for like four, five years, probably. Although that said, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. I'm sure the people working in that QA department on Rockstar, and I did read that they were like, you know, I love my job. I love that I get, even though it's not like fun playing video games, I love that I get to play video games for a living. I love that I have this job. And, and, and you know, it's just it's just one of those things. But anyway, it's, it's all coming out. Um, this is just another great example. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Uh, Rockstar really handled this pretty well. You got to admit, like Dan Hauser put his foot in it big time because this is, I mean, Telltale just closed. This is a huge issue overworking. You know, what with the EA thing a couple years ago coming out with, I forget what that person was nicknamed, but the the big, you know, um, whistleblower at EA and other studios, um, different stuff has come out at Bioware. I mean, a lot of stuff has been coming out. And then, you know, he goes, we worked 100 hour weeks, man. We were killing it. And it's just like, oh, that was such a fuck up, you know, from a PR (laughs) perspective only, of course. Um, but it, you know, he, they did the best job they could. They said, Hey, no gag orders, say what you want. And granted, I think you're very right when you say that, you know, I mean, yeah, they could say that all day. Right, right. I mean, it's a, it's smart to say that, but at the same time, it did, it did feel like there was more, um, you know, a clearer look at this stuff than normally we would get. So I was glad they made that move. And it certainly was the right PR move being, they have the biggest game they've ever made by like orders of magnitude about to drop on Friday. I mean, it's hard to know, really, right? You can't know where their head is at. I mean, I I veer towards the side of, you know, it is a PR move and they know what they were doing, but they're, you know, they got to do something because you don't want this. I mean, they don't want the fact that their game comes out in three days and people are still talking about this. Right. But Um, but at the same time, it's it's the lesser of evils at this point. Um, You know, and so so I think they made probably the best decision they could. But again, that's all secondary to the fact that you know, something has to be done in game development um, to to curb the the ridiculous, like I said, the you know the the the, the waves of, of tons of work and then a little work and then tons of work and a little work and balance that out in a way that you can have a work life balance and also be a game developer. Um, you I, know, I mean, it's an interesting time. I think when you look at really a lot of entertainment industries and how they're going, like I mean, comics is having a similar thing with. Uh, with people speaking out more because, you know, they're like Marvel has been bringing in more 
authors to do their their work and you know they're they're able to go uh no your, your deals are crappy and we can talk about how poorly you're treating us because whatever i can go write another ah, another novel and we're, you're having things like that come out and it's just this general sense of like it feels like something could be about to happen and having telltale and rockstar happen back to back it's a big thing i mean it makes me unwary like i was playing through tales of the from the borderlands again and it just like it puts a, a foul taste in the mouth over it all because it's it like man does like, even when you have people who are like, yeah, I crunched and it sucked, but I did love making the game. It's and I'm like, really proud of it. Right. Yeah, it's like a torn thing. And then, you know, other things with Rockstar that, I mean, I didn't know. It's like if you don't – you could work on one of their games for like four years and if you happen to leave or get fired before the game comes out, your name's not in the credits. Right. And that's kind of shitty. Yeah, that is that is shitty. I mean, right, these are things that are handled by unions and the, the Screen Actors Guild and the Screen Directors Guild and all those kind of things that exist for rules about this. I mean, weird things still – injustices still happen even with guilds. But if you look at like, for example, you know how like who's going to get the directing credit on Solo? You know, who's going to get the writing credit on whatever? Um, oh, it turns out what's his name got all the credit, even though, you know, such and such did all the work. You know, it's it's just it, it, it still injustices happen, but at least there is a system in place to try to put some checks and balances in place. So, yeah, I mean, it's like the voice actors guild. They were right. they were there and they had a strike and that stuff happens. And it's I mean, yes, at, like, is it is it? "Quote unquote bad suck for me in the sense that you know it might just hurt a game or like but yeah but I mean the people making it are more important than the end product and I would like right. to think Rockstar is going to actually learn from this and try to get a little better it is it seems like they're just a little uh, disconnected from what it actually means to be in the working force anymore at the higher end but hopefully yeah. they meet it because that could entirely be it they could just be like no we really mean it and at the same time not understand. You can say that all you want, and people are still not going to be able to fully believe you. Right, and another thing I just remembered, just you saying the whole <coughs> idea of what you say and what you do and, and, and what the what the invisible expectations are. There was a quote I read, maybe in the Schreier article, maybe in another place, where it said that people were told, and this is a little ways back, that you need to be here on Saturday and Sunday because if, just in case, Dan comes into the office, he wants to know that you're working as hard as he is. That was the quote I read. That was in the uh, Schreier article, yeah. yeah. And damn, you know what I mean? Like, damn. I mean, Dan Hauser is making billions of dollars, maybe maybe hundreds of millions, right? You're not. So he can, if he wants to work that hard, like he can go get in his Lamborghini um, and drive to his garage full of ten more Lamborghinis and like kind <laughs> of justify that ridiculous workload. Um, you know, the guy I mean, who, yeah, if they wanted to leave, that's the thing. Like, if they wanted to just leave, they could. I mean, barring any, like, contracts or whatever. But, I mean, they could just live their life now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So, And there's a very big difference. I know this very well personally. I'm sure you do, too. There's a very big difference between working because you need to and working because you love it. Um, that's a very big difference. Anyway, um, that said, um, on a slightly more positive – do you have any more to say about the working conditions aspect? Um, no, no. I mean, just that it's, I mean, I'm not happy those are the situ conditions. Obviously, it's like been, it's not even a, like open secret. It's just everyone expects that's what game development is. I mean, I remember that for years back, just being like, yeah, th that's that's game development. And it, it sucks. And I, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know that there is a solution that is practically going to happen because the only real way is to be like, Games just letting games take way longer to develop. Like I'll give and you a I mean, great example. There's a game I think his name is Lucas Pope. 
Um, the guy who di- just released uh, the 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 return of the Obergin or the Obergine. Did you hear yeah, about this? Yeah, yeah. This this is the guy who did Papers Please. The ultimate. You want to talk passion project? Papers Please was this game that literally was just like a you know two two D adventure art from the eighties look, and it was all about like deciding who who goes gets in and who doesn't get in. You know, and in sort of an immigration situation of some sort right and it was all about like none of the answers were good ones and you got to feel what it might feel like to not you know to have to choose between two shitty situations and try to pick the least shitty and it was really cool it got all these game of the year awards people loved it and then he disappeared for five years and then just resurfaced with his new game because that's how long it took to make it period I mean, it's just games take that much time. They're that hard to make. Um, and yeah, that's gotten to be that comment has gotten to be exploited and taken out. of You know, people have militarized the games are hard. Grow up, you know, idea of it. Um, games are tough to make, you know, suck it. Um, and that is not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that when we look at the equation of how to fix this, something has to be that has to be considered is just how much work these things take. And somewhere they got to figure out how to make them in a more humane way. Yeah. Um, and if that means, you know, like, it's always interesting to me when you have games that are just like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is to make games in older engines or, or with less. I, it's it's You'd tricky. Be happy. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine with it, but I get it. I mean, I, I still think it's a bad situation and it needs a fix, but I understand why it's – I understand how it has progressed and continued to not be addressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that said, it is pretty crazy that – in two days from now, this will probably go up in the next couple days, so very close to when you hear this, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 will have finally come out. It had two delays. It's been in process for seven years. I think there's at least that many studios working on it all over the world. Um, it supposedly has a 60-hour campaign. It has a world that's, I think, two to three times the size of the original and infinitely more detailed. Um, one of the little notes people talk about is that the balls of the horses grow and shrink depending upon the weather. Like, it's that detailed and intricate. It's stupid. Um, so this game is going to be just just a massive, huge deal. People that have been playing at the early buzz is people aren't really saying anything because it's incredibly NDA'd and, 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 and embargoed. But, you know, the buzz seems to be like this is going to change gaming. Um it's interesting. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Um, are you excited for it? Less so than I was. No, uh, I honestly. Oh, of I, course, of course. It taints. It taints it. No question. But 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 aside, leaving that aside as much as humanly possible. I'm gonna play it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. It is. I, I kind of want to say it is what it is, but I mean it is. It's 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 the sequel to one of the best games ever made. So I mean. Oh, I didn't yeah. know you were a huge Red Dead fan. Yeah, I mean, now I haven't played Red Dead since it came out, but it it is it's probably, it's my second favorite Rockstar game, but I do think it's one of their best. <laughs> oh man, if only if people only remembered what your favorite is, man, that's crazy. I can't believe that shit. There are Bully's people. A good that, game. People do still talk about Bully. You're right. Um, I actually heard somebody talking about that Harry Potter leak. That's another little news thing that came out that there's a new Harry Potter game coming out potentially, and somebody leaked like some. There were there were like. A PR and marketing team went to some mall in Nowhere America. Sorry if if that is not Nowhere America, wherever it was, but somewhere in America. Um, And, like, got teens, I guess, to, like, go into a room and check out a trailer and sign an NDA um, and say what they thought of it. I don't really think that would be necessary. It's Harry freaking Potter, you know? But whatever. Apparently they want to know if it's going to be a hit. So they bring these people in and they showed them this trailer. Well, 
this dude took a video of it and he took the video and he put it online <laughs> and it's basically like a 30 or 45 second sizzle reel for what an open world harry potter rpg would look like that's a you know supposedly in the works people think it's avalanche studios that are making it all this do we talk about this before we haven't right no no so avalanche studios is the ones who made disney infinity and, and that's what so not avalanche software or whatever the one that's making rage too but and and just cause but avalanche studios i think and um and yeah, so it's it's in the works apparently. And but anyway, the reason this this ties into bully is because people are like, if it could just basically be like Harry Potter but bully, but Harry Potter, that would be awesome. <laughs> you know? I mean, I feel I would I would agree. Um, it's gonna be cool. It's 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 gonna be like Harry Potter Wizarding World without Harry Potter. The only discouraging thing I've heard is that it's set in the 1800s, which just seems like a bad idea. Um, just keep going backwards. It seems like a bad idea to me. Um, it seems like, and I heard somebody say this, so this is a, a stolen idea, but they basically said like, in, in, you know, in the modern day, magic is cool and so is technology. But back in the 1800s, these are superhumans, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's a really good point. You know, the context of put this magic in the 1800s and all of a sudden there's light and there's, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it solves all the problems anyway. You get my point, right? Yeah. Or somebody's point that I just referenced. Okay. No, no, I got you. Cool. Cool. Roger that. So, um, are we down to talk about some of the games we've been playing? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, cool. Um, so why don't you kick us off? Um, what have you been playing, Jordan? Well, I'm going to hit you with what, you know, I don't know. You, you see what I'm up to online sometimes. No, so this no, might no, not... no, no, it is a surprise. I haven't actually seen what you've been up to lately. Um, okay. Well, I red boxed a game recently. Uh, oh. I didn't spend that much time with it, honestly, because, uh, it's surprisingly too complicated for me. Uh, or too complicated to to like figure out and get good at during a red box trial. Um, <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm, like I'm announcing some my big secret shame. You know how uh, I love hearing these things, man. You, you know me. Go ahead. I uh, checked out WWE 2K19. What? This is a secret shame. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, past like couple month or, month and a half or so, I've really been getting into wrestling. No. <laughs> no at your age yes at my age what are you doing okay so let me preface my outrage by saying that like i get it like nobody thinks wrestling's real they talk about like you know this guy's the the ham and this guy's the what do they call the bad guys in wrestling the the face and the heel the face and the heel and all that kind of stuff like i get it they're archetypes everybody that watches it knows it's a show and and etc but it's a show plus athleticism like i get all of that argument like i get it it's not as stupid as like this is real what are you talking about like i get that's not the deal that said with all the great drama there is to watch and all of the great comedy that there is to watch and the no time that any of us have to watch it, why get mired in the world of WWE? I don't get it. I honest – I'll be – like here, here's – I'll preface it a little bit at least. Um, back in, at Heroes Con when I tabled there, I sat next to someone who – works on the wwe comics uh that that uh boom puts out uh or is it idw oh now i'm blanking i'm not that in it but he works on those comics <laughs> and uh <laughs> cred cred coming back uh land uh land pits is his name and he was just a really cool guy and you know 
he was telling me about wrestling a little, but he and his friends were talking about it. You know, there's a passion there. There's just like the interest is like, I definitely recognize it. And there's, you know, it's something I've noticed the past few years. People into comics, a lot of them are also really into wrestling. Okay. Um, it's surprisingly big. Uh, it was surprising to me. And, and uh, then on top of that, after Heroes Con, we finally watched um, season two of Glow uh, oh, on okay. Netflix. Okay. All right. I saw season and, one. It's a good show. Uh, yeah. Season two, I thought, was also really good. It developed things further. And then uh, one of the episodes in season two is just 100% one of their broadcasts. So it's just an episode of the show they make every week. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it was really interesting. And then after we finished it, I was like, you know, I've, I've, I can't say I've always been curious. Uh, I had kids, friends as kids uh, uh, who were really into it, but I never really got into it. Um, I know about some famous wrestlers because they tend to cross over and be in movies and shows and whatnot. Right, right, right. Batista, um, The Rock, etc. And then kind of at uh, his recommendation, because we follow each other on Twitter now, I was just sort of like, uh, where where would be a place to start? So just start with WrestleMania. That's kind of where the year starts. They do new storylines and all that. And so I, I sort of – I just started kind of watching Raw and SmackDown from there, and I was surprised by how – it's so – it's like very simplistic storytelling. It's like so baser instincts, but it's weirdly compelling and interesting, and they have interesting characters, and you know they are kind of like superheroes in the sense of how they all have their different gimmicks and personality traits and all that. And uh, you know, uh, my fiancé got really into it with me. She was surprised <laughs> to get pulled in. Uh, that probably helped the most because we just – Yeah. It's also really easy to watch. Yeah, and, there, you know, there are things like that. Like Seinfeld is that for me, is that when I'm having dinner – I can't watch The Haunting at Hill House because I got to be watching it intently. But Seinfeld, yeah. you can just slam on and just blow through an episode. So I get that. Yeah, and you know, you compound that with that it was summer. There wasn't a lot on. There's um, so much anyway. on. What are you no, but about? I mean, go ahead. We, you don't don't have cable, so it's really just whatever comes to streaming services. Okay. Um, you know, it was just a case of like we're working a lot, tired, and even though we don't get a lot of time now. The season started and we're watching stuff like the Arrowverse shows and all of our regular shows that have come back. Uh, but, you know, we spent just most of it getting caught up and watching them week to week, watching the pay-per-view events. And I don't know, man. I can't logically explain it. It's just, like, entertaining and it's easy to watch. Like, it's easy to not watch while I'm working on other stuff, too. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I get it. I get it. I just, you know, to me um, – well, I mean, I kind of, I kind of laid out where, where, where I stand on it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there's like the whole meta story, right? Which, which is like, you know, there's McMahon and and people talk about like, man, McMahon is not going to make these people, you know, he's going to keep them as contractors because he doesn't want to pay benefits. He doesn't want to roll up the money truck and pay benefits. And people get all into like, like it's pseudo real, like it's almost real the way they they talk about it. And I know they know that it isn't real, but it's almost like they talk about the fringes of it kind of like i like to think that when we talk about um you know uh the director of god of war um that like we're, we're a little we're talking inside baseball like we're talking about cory barlog and the experience he had talking to the guy from mad max and and just like the the vision quest he went on and how that led to god of war and how he actually nobody seems to know it but he actually directed tomb raider uh, uh the the reboot of tomb raider right all that kind of stuff informs my understanding of of god of war and, and other things he's worked on and i liked and i like that so and there's definitely that in wrestling right yeah so i mean yeah I've, I'm weirdly into it. It's really easy to watch. Uh, it's fun. Uh, so I decided, you know, the new game was coming out 
I wanted to try it, and you know the reviews were actually pretty good for it. Okay, as as sort of like apparently a return to form. There are like oh, there are hundreds of wrestling games, so it's you know, I think now it's basically just that every year right. WWE 2K. But used to be, I remember just a lot more would come out all the oh, time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There were at least um, like three or four different ones, right? And you know, I was intrigued because much like. Uh, long shot in Madden F- NFL, there's like a full My Careers mode where you start out like uh, on the independent circuit and you, you build your way up uh, through it. So I was kind of intrigued by that. It's a hard game to oh, understand. I oh, I bet. I mean, um, it's just like any sports game, though, right? You don't jump into Madden and expect to just pick it up. No, and it, it is very much along those lines because you have not just like because you might – when you really think about it, there's a lot of wrestling moves, and pulling off any one of them is this labyrinthian thing, and it's like building move sets and then having special moves, and then there's like pinning someone as a mini game, getting grappled as a mini game. There's all these mini games, and like I do like mini games. I'd get thrown to the mat, and I couldn't figure out how to get up. And there's so many button combinations. Yeah. I was just, uh, it was a little bit much for me. So I was just like, you know, one day I'm good not playing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know. It was, you know, I guess for wrestling fans, it's a it's a pretty good year. Cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, excellent. <laughs> That's but all I can yeah, really no, say about I've that. Started, yeah. I've started watching wrestling. It is a surprise to me, but you know what? It's entertaining. Well, I'll tell you a conversation I had with Jeff Gersman one time at PAX. So I saw the Giant Bomb panel, and this was earlier on in the Giant Bomb thing. I've always been a huge um, fan of his. But I went up to him, and one of my comments to him was, I got to say, Jeff, like as much as I agree with you and I've been entertained by you and you're – top three smartest people in gaming no question in my mind right um whenever you guys talk about wrestling or hip-hop <laughs> you totally lose me and he smiled at that and was just like yeah man i you know and he talked about you know how he got into it and all of that and and he's like i i get it you know people aren't into it i believe me i get it um and that's just always and now you're doing the jeff gersman to me man <laughs> you're, you're jeff yeah, gersmaning I mean- me I, I don't know what to say. It's like I'm not gonna. I'm not super deep into it. I don't want. You know, I watch the main shows and that's it. I'm not like checking out the the podcasts, the, the podcasts or the the NXT developmental area they have show. I'm not. It's I'm watching what I watch and it's fun and you know it helps me understand a lot more Twitter conversations because I see so much wrestling in my feed. I see. I see. Well, that's that's a part of it. I mean, if it's in your particular zeitgeist, because Twitter really has made it such that zeitgeists are personalized now. Um, yeah. in a way. Um, so your zeitgeist is different than my zeitgeist at the moment, um, based on, you know, who I follow and who follows me. Anyway, I digress. But, okay. Yeah, no, that was, that's my first game. Cool. What, what do you got? So, um, I guess I'm going to just dive into some Odyssey, man. Cause like, why not? Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a game that I was not planning on picking up. I played Origins last year, another game I was not planning on picking up, because I want to play Syndicate. I haven't played Syndicate, and my understanding is that Syndicate is essentially the best version of the kind of thing I love Assassin's Creed for. Um, yeah, the, the, pre, the pre-Origins style. Exactly, and I, and I still, as much as I like Origins and Odyssey, I think I prefer that style more. Um, even still, that's a, that's a minority opinion, it seems, but I'm definitely in that camp. Um, but anyway, um, or, or actually, I'm in a different camp. I'm in the, they're different games, so fundamentally, it's almost hard to compare them, in a way. Um, but I do think I slightly prefer, and again, some of it's nostalgia, the old style, starting with Assassin's Creed 1, but really 2. Um, but anyway, 
so Assassin's Creed Origins, I, I played it, and it's the kind of game where I, I wanted to hundred percent it. I didn't quite do it because there's this thing where you have to like from the beginning not sell anything and sell it all in one lump sum to get the achievement. I hate those. Um, and so like you have to be on Achievement Hunter first thing, or else you're gonna have to spend a ton of time later. So I, I kind of lost that one. But I almost 100% of that game. And the idea was, like, there's all these little question marks on the map, and I want to find them all. And I want to go to them all and uncover them and click each box. It's very much a completionist game. And in that game, I think that took 80 hours. Um, and I like that game. You know, that was the game that brought RPGs fully into it. And when we first saw the buzz on Assassin's Creed Origins, it was like, look, you're going to be walking by, but, like, you can't stealth kill that guy because he's level 40 and you're level 25. So you will just die. So you have to move on. Like, that idea of being outmatched and, and, and stealth kills not being instant kills and you have to level up stats and all that kind of stuff was really unique. And then we heard mm -hmm. there's going to be rarity and loot. And I was like, wow, and a skill tree? This is really, like, cool. Okay, I'll play it. I wasn't super interested in the Egyptian setting, but I was like, all right, I'll play it. And I got into it. And, and I really enjoyed it, although <coughs> and I wanted to keep playing it and playing it and playing it. But I never would say, like, wow, this is a favorite game of mine, if, if you know that kind of game, where you play yeah. it and you love it. But it never hits that level of, like, oh, my God, it's one of, it's going to make my top even 20 list ever. So that was where that game landed for me. And then we saw the new one was coming out. And straight up, when I saw the trailer at E3, I was like, it's Origins again. That's lame. Um, the color palette looks like Origins. The skill tree is, is much better now, but, you know, again, looks a lot like Origins kind of style. The weapon loot thing and the color coding and all of that stuff is very, very Origins. And yes, this game has a whole lot of differences from Origins. Anybody listening is probably like, but, 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 and yes, it's very different in a lot of ways, but it's way more like Origins than any other Assassin's Creed there's ever been. Um, it is very specifically like the core fundamental change they made with Origins like, so 75 or 80% of this game is similar to Origins, I would say. And I mean that in fundamental ways, like the way the world looks and the kind of way that they're, they're I don't know how they build their worlds, but like, I would guess like the tiling and the different, you know, buildings and all that stuff. It's very much like they were working off the same templates, both teams. Um, and, you know, I like it a lot, but it doesn't feel the same way that old Assassin's Creed games felt. And it doesn't have that that assassin-y feeling. Oh, wait, that's because neither of them are really assassins, actually, you know? Mm, um, yeah. And they aren't. Bayek, you know, sort of starts the Assassin's Guild, which is kind of weird because he's very unassassiny, if you ask me. Um, and then um, the character in this, you pick either Cassandra or Alexios, um, neither of them are ever assassins at any point in this because Bayek ostensibly started the Assassin's Guild, and this game takes place before that. So, you know, by definition, there's no assassins in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, well, go ahead. Well, let me let me ask a quick question, just not not to derail you. I'm no, just you curious about this. Uh, since you're mentioning story stuff, how like it, does it do they have they made a more standalone feeling? How present is is the present day stuff still? Is it there? So I don't know it... yet because it's all end loaded. Um, so at the very beginning of this game, I, I haven't played. Let me tell you this. At the very beginning, you do it for 10 minutes. Um, about 20 hours in, I did it for five more minutes or three more minutes, read some emails, went back in, and I haven't touched single play, uh, present day stuff for 45 hours. Was it about that way at Origins as well? Similar. Um, a little, I feel like it was a little more peppered throughout. Like I'm on the sixth out of nine or the seventh out of nine acts. And, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, in that game, I think it was peppered more throughout, but what I've heard okay. about this game is this game goes heavy in the end game and that like the last 20% or 15% of the game is all for civilization shit. 
Hey. Yeah, like well, well, yeah, but but in the but in the uh, Cassandra's doing it sense. Okay. Like Cassandra in her world sort of crosses over into this first civilization scenario and like gets to use her skill set in first civilization. Okay, that rooms. could maybe be cool. Yeah, so so that's the way that I think that they're they're bridging that gap is like you you love this character, you don't want to go out of this character, but at the same time we want to bring in some of that modern day stuff, which I actually really liked until they stop really giving a shit about it and making it like you're hanging out at Ubisoft. What's up? Um, yeah, I mean. It's one of those things. I'd still be happy if they got rid of it. I get it's part of the series, like, lore, but it's like 11 years in, they've done nothing super compelling with it. Why don't they do samurai? Like, like okay, you know, Egyptians and – not Egyptians, but Egypt, um, uh, the Odyssey and Greece, Greek Isles. Like, why can't we have something so different? Like, why can't we have Japanese Yakuza assassins? Like, why not? And you know, and they've made they know that people want that. Like they've talked about it in like in those modern day settings when Abstergo was Ubisoft. They had little email files, and you know, people would be like, you know, hey, we heard we, we hear some of the ideas for the next game, and you know, one of them yeah. is like Japan and all that stuff. So they know people want that, but it, it's just like, why don't we get that? If these games are so samey. Anyway, all of that negativity aside, um, the game is really addictive and really fun and you know as soon as i'm done recording this i'll be going and playing it um i'm 51 maybe 55 hours in something like that i'm at level 43 out of 50 i'm about i'd say 50 percent of the way through the story and about 20 percent of the world explored and discovered so it's a massive game it is sick go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i'll, I'll... I'm just gonna say it's significantly bigger than any assassin's creed before like by a lot i'm i'm torn just because I definitely want to try it. I mean, I, I honestly don't care as much that I haven't played Origins. This one looks really no. good to me, and just I don't play think this they, one instead of that one. Yeah, I don't think it matters as much anymore. But like, my bigger thing is that I, I would have to buy it outright because I like just looking at it anymore. I know I'm not going to be able to finish that in a even in a three day red box rental. Oh no, 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 no! Don't even think about it. Like, it's an absolute buy. Um, you know, we still have Best Buy Gamers Club unlocked. You know, it's not That's that expensive. True. Um, but it is an absolute buy. There's no question. Um, it's one of those things. It's just, you know, when we talked about a little, it's that season. I've got that, like, there's, I think the second week in November, four games I want to play are all coming out. So it's just, uh, oh, give me a sec. Hitman, Mm -hmm. Pokemon. Oh yeah. Uh, whoa. And now I'm going to blank. I'll I'll look them up here. And and then obviously smash in December. Smash is in December. Um, is there a new Danganronpa? No. No, it's something I think more. Oh no, Fallout seventy six. Oh, okay, okay, all right, that's um, interesting. And then there's one other one, but yeah, I mean, okay. it's just I know there's it's very heavy packed in that one period of time, so I'm just like oh, I gotta. It may be a January February game for you. I could see that you get it on sale yeah. for thirty. Oh, Spyro reignited. Oh yeah, okay, got it. Perfect. Nice. That's a nice mix. Um, but anyway, so I get that. Let me. I'll just finish summing it up. So. Essentially, what makes it really great and way better than Origins is, first of all, Cassandra. Everybody online will tell you, don't even think about playing Alexios. Cassandra is ten times better. I've watched the videos of Alexios. It's not even close. Cassandra is an amazing protagonist, one of the best the series has ever had, no question. Um, She's awesome. She's both feminine and incredibly badass and tough. When she puts a dress on, she's all muscled up and doesn't quite fit in it right. It's awesome because she just, like, she's a warrior, and you can't put her in a dress and have her look like I don't know what. She's a warrior, and that's awesome. Um, and she's just very open and free, and just she's just a great character. Um, and 
so that's great about it. Her the voice actress is just remarkable. She's so good, um, and I love her in it. Um, the the RPG mechanics are great. Like I have a build. There's three ways to do it. There's hunter, um, warrior, and assassin. There are three trees. The assassin tree has like this rush assassination where you hit a button and you go jumping towards a dude and just like kill him in one shot. And then you can chain it two more times and then three once you level it up again. So you just shoot around the board, just kill rush assassination. Boom, boom, boom. And you can do it. It's almost like a puzzle. It's awesome. There's that. Um, the warrior tree has like moves that stun people by shooting out a blast. There's a Spartan kick where you can kick someone off a mountain 300 style. Um, and then there's the hunter tree, which I've grabbed just a couple little items from it, but there's this one move that I use all the time, which is this overpowered devastating shot arrow and it's just devastating. So anytime you're close to dying, you just run away and just start laying into dudes. And there's an adrenaline bar that powers your skills instead of just having overpower bar and overpower skills in origins. I mean, it's just so much deeper other than that though. I mean, the gameplay is very similar. The combat feels the same. Um, the story's great. You know, it's a quest to find her family and get reunited with all of them and bring them together with, against the backdrop of Spartans versus Athenians. And Socrates is in it. And Pericles is the founder of democracy is in it. And so many other cool characters. It's just really cool. There's this character called Alcibiades who's like this super like like uh wine and wine and women and men like total indulgent into sex and and, and alcohol and he's that character you know um it's mm -hmm. just it's just really really fun and interesting and, and super addictive to like fill in that map so it's really really fun but man it's a huge game you're right like i'm worried because i'm at most halfway through it and red dead's in two days like what am i gonna do because that conversation yeah. is gonna be non-stop <laughs> I mean, it's you're not wrong. Everybody's gonna be talking about that, and what, and what am I gonna do? Like, not play it on Friday? I don't know. Probably not gonna not play it on Friday. You know, um, so we'll see how that goes. Are you picking it up? Uh, maybe not right away, but yeah, very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll get pulled in, man. After the third article, where people are like, "Dude, like, <laughs> do, do you you don't even know video games anymore if you don't play this?" You know, you might just yeah. be like, "What." maybe i'll maybe i'll get on that horse um literally and figuratively what what <laughs> all right um you're up uh so the next i haven't had any major ones i mean you know like i always say uh overwatch is one i play a lot and i've been yeah. playing that for the halloween event on and off um the i did pick up another switch game um oh, good i got disgaea 5 complete oh i have that how is it you know <sighs> I, I <laughs> not a good start. <laughs> no, I'm not super far into it. I want to give it more time to develop, but it's just everything I liked about Disgaea back in the day is still there to an extent. But after the second one, I feel like it really stopped putting as much effort into map design and character storytelling. And it just like three is the last one I was kind of cool with, but four fell really hard for me but i don't know i'd finished up um mario and rabbits for the most part and so i wanted another srpg type game to play sure. and part of it is that it's very different did you get donkey kong by the way or you just didn't want to do more i did get donkey kong i'm, I'm partial part of the way through that okay how is that um, i'll say it's a lot of fun uh donkey kong and cranky make for very interesting units and the fact that the campaign is built around a very specific three-party team uh, you know, it's a little limiting, but they, they're able to do more creative things because they know what you're going to come into it with very mu oh, much I more like specifically. That. Got it. Like the way that um, 
uh, um, 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 the second, uh, what's that game by Insomniac, the shooter, uh, Resistance. The first Resistance, you had this bar like Ratchet and Clank, and you could pick any weapon anywhere, but they couldn't design combat combat encounters that carefully because, well, you could use any weapon anywhere. And so in two, they yeah. were like, you can only have two at a time, and we tell you which two you're going to get. So we know, yeah, I got it. Yeah, so it's exactly like that. They build the arenas around. They, they're able to give Donkey Kong specific moves that only he can do, and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm, I'm just playing through it slowly because, I mean, uh, you know, there's nothing else after that. So I'm, I'm just enjoying taking yeah. my time. Well, it sounds like that game is really good. I actually started playing it a little bit, and I was a little distracted when I started, so I didn't fully, like, get all of the uh, tutorial. So I'm going to go back and restart. But what I played is really fun, and I could see how it can be really addictive once it gets harder. Yeah, no, it's, it gets really difficult. Um, I haven't done things like the super the, – I think they're called like – uber challenges or something yeah uh but but no the the campaign gets pretty tough by the end cool I'm uh, in. which i appreciate it well it's perfect um, for me because like i'm i've never played like a an XCOM game so I'm, it's perfect for me no i what i really love about Mario and rabbits is how unique the battle system is um and so th- yeah that's been part of the issue coming to disgaea i remember how disgaea is played but it's just it's a very different beast i'm just having trouble getting into the story and i'm hoping because right now they're just picking up party members and i'm only on the second chapter so i'm like I want it to pick up, but it's just taken a little bit of time. Do those games ever have really good stories? Because my understanding is they're so batshit crazy and silly that like it's hard to care about anyone, or at least that was what I thought. Am I wrong about that in earlier ones? In earlier ones, yeah, I would say you're wrong. Like, one and two both have really good stories. Nice. Um, now, granted, it's been over a decade since I played either of those. Uh, I don't know what my reaction to them today would be, but I remember two being pretty well written and having... Uh, at th- what was a good twist. I don't know how foreshadow how much foreshadowing sure, I might have missed, sure. but I really like the twist in two. And then three just sort of lowers the stakes, and three and four neither of them were as gripping. And I, yeah, they're they're very silly. They've definitely leaned harder into the overt anime tropes as time yeah. has gone o- on. Yeah, but I don't know. I wanted to play it. The SRPG part. There's a lot of content. Uh, I'm just struggling to get into it. Um, but I'm hoping that I'll get a little more uh, excited once more of the uh, unit types open up and the type of characters I like are available to me. Uh, but for now, I'm just sort of figuring it out. <laughs> well, I got I got one more to touch on real quick before we go into Mario Party. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so I got and finished Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, and um, it's my second favorite. Um, that's not hard to be because Rise just really fell flat for me. And what's interesting though is Rise has some things that are much better than this game. The hunting actually mattered in Rise. In this game, it's an afterthought. In every one of the little containers where you pick up like, you know, bolts, you also sometimes get rare hunting materials. So you really don't have to hunt, which sucks. The hunting is way diminished in this game. What's cool about it though is you get a ton of combat abilities throughout, but really most of the game combat is highly, highly um, de-emphasized. Um, so this game is way more about exploration and puzzle solving than it is about combat, um, which I loved. There was tons of puzzles in it. It's really fun. Yeah, the story's crazy, but I literally listened to a review on Game Informer where they said, like, they gave it a 7 out of 10, and the reviewer, I think it was um, Kimberly Wallace, I believe, she said, this game is bananas. That's all I can say. It's bananas. It's batshit crazy, right? And 
I went in there thinking, okay, so it's going to be stupid, dumb, crazy, and it, and my expectations were set appropriately. So in in effect, when the crazy, bonkers shit happened, I was like, oh, this kind of just reminds me of the end of any of these games, right? Uncharted, other Tomb Raiders, they all end kind of like with supernatural, bonkers shit. Um, so I was a little desensitized to how stupid it may have been if I hadn't heard that pre- previously. But all of that said, it's certainly my favorite, uh, my second favorite story, um... And uh, it's really good. I mean, the, the game shows its age. I mean, it's the third game. It's like Telltale, except way less egregious. Telltale's got a 10-year problem where this is yeah. four years. But, but you know, they need to move on, and they know it. Um, this game needs to needs to progress forward. Um, there's not quite enough um, challenge tombs, but they're really good. I finished them all and enjoyed that. So it's a fun game. Did you ever finish Rise? Not yet. Okay. I, I want to finish it before I play the next one. I, I don't imagine it really matters that much, but... Uh, do it i mean this one flashes back to it a little bit i i would do it i mean this one also has some really cool stuff with like there's a little interactive scene where you play lara's a little girl which is cool so i mean i won't talk any more about it but needless to say when you play it i think you'll enjoy it it's a fun experience especially if you go in with somewhat moderated te- uh expectations you know yeah no I, I feel that cool um well on that note um speaking of i don't I... know what kind of expectations <laughs> tell me about your mario party experience uh, well, I have one more quick game. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. It's very quick. I literally started playing it today. Oh, is it Black Ops Four? It is not Black Ops okay, Four. Okay. Um, is it Blackout? I'm just. This kidding. is this this has another um, inspired by thing because I went and saw Halloween last night. Oh, I saw it too. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's good. And you know, it was it's the sort of movie that there was a moment in it. And it's it's not even a major moment in the movie, but the the atmosphere of one scene made me go, I finally want to play this. It was the scene where the kid gets out of the car with a shotgun, and he's just sort of alone in the dark for a minute with it, like his flashlight. It wasn't that's, it wasn't Spider House. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was The Evil Within Two. Oh, nice. Okay, okay, I feel that. Which I don't know why. Just the the image of this kid like creeping forward and this is a very small thing so if you haven't seen the movie it's really it's nothing yeah, yeah. but just the image of him kind of like creeping forward with his hunting rifle and a flashlight held out in the dark it just made me go man i want to play a game like that Start and i survival horror please yeah and i played evil within last year i had access to the evil within too but you know after you play a full campaign no. it's really yeah. hard to keep wanting to play in that world so i just i didn't i, I played like the first two chapters of the evil within two just to like get to basically where the game really starts and then I stopped. So I've picked that back up, um, played about an hour of it. And, you know, it is – it still feels like The Evil Within. I've heard a lot of people say that once you get going, it's it's a stronger game than the first one. Um, it introduces a lot of interesting new elements. Uh, and just, like, kind of creeping around the first area, I'm having fun with it. Uh, but, no, I, I – it, it's beating what I wanted. The other game I thought of was Dead Space, but that is apparently – not been released as a games with gold because uh, the only one I have access to is Dead Space 3. And I was like, huh. I, I technically have never played that one, but I've always wanted to play that one co-op with somebody. What you need to do – me too. Uh, what you need to do – maybe we could play it. What you need to do for sure yeah. is um, is is go and uh, check out – whenever they have those sales, look at the bottom of the screen. They may even have it right now on sale because they, they sell 360 games in those Steam-esque sales for like – Four bucks or three sixty five. Yeah, they're always yeah, they're nothing. They don't show the price, which is always a little yeah. frustrating. Well, you, have you have to, to really know you want it, you know, and then yeah. you're like, all right, I'm going to invest in finding how much how cheap it is, right? 
Yeah. No, it's definitely one that would probably be nothing to pick I've up. I've been wanting to Might- pick up Dead Space 2 for the longest time. I started it, like, once and then didn't get very far in it. And, like, people say it's the best one. Um, and I love Dead Space 1, so. No, but I'm, I'm – it's seasonally appropriate. Checking out the Evil Within 2. I'll have more to say on that next episode because I'll have played enough of it to sure. have an actual opinion. Right. But, uh, no, Super Mario Party. Okay, cool. So um, I have played – three hours of it with a friend um they uh got the game and um they're big mario party fans uh she actually has uh uh, mario party 5 for gamecube the disc which is actually really expensive and valuable i looked it up um but anyway uh so she's died in the wool mario party fan i love some mario party i haven't quite pulled the trigger on getting this game yet so i was really happy when she did and we played it and it is really really fun uh what was your how's your mileage no, I'm. We're really enjoying it so far. I've played uh, four times so far. Four board um, games worth. Four board games worth. You know, we set it to either twenty or fifteen turns. I think that oh, that's, that's like long. the sweet spot. Oh, okay. Well, like ten, ten can go really. I mean, it's, it's Mario Party. Random, it can go right, lopsided right. any amount of turns. But yeah, with ten, you don't quite get going. I think you know the first five turns are really just starting to build up steam. Yeah. I mean, after that, it gets really crazy really quickly with a lot of things being available, or people can get you know three stars in one turn if they have all the right shit. Uh, but no, it's a, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. I haven't really played a Mario Party. Yeah. They, they've all been really badly reviewed. Five. They've been yeah, badly I mean, reviewed because they do stupid things like putting two characters in a car together and shit. Yeah, that's been the problem. Like, I definitely – like, when the Wii versions were coming out, you know, and I was in Raleigh and I had a big friend group. I was like, I would love to play this. But they were so trash. And it was the fact that, you know, people didn't move individually. You moved in one big car together. seemed so dumb. So dumb. Uh, like somebody I, got the memo that, like, all people care about about Mario Party is the minigames and, like, took that memo way too far. Well, they I mean, they took it further because there's that 3DS game that's literally just that. Right. Top 100. Right. It's um, I mean, it's not a good idea. It's a bad idea, if you ask me. No, I, I mean, you can't have the one strategy. without the other. I love the strategy of Mario Party. I think going around the board and taking people's stars, you're right, you can't have one without the other. Just the minigames do not matter if there's nothing on the line for me. I just don't care if there's nothing on the line. Yeah, uh, but this one I think gets back, like people talk about it as a back to basics, and it definitely feels that way. It feels oh, yeah. like, you know, Mario Party 1, 2, 3, it's definitely got that sort of feel to it where you're going around the board, uh, you're playing minigames, uh, you've got a few events, but it's not so over the top with like a bunch of crazy things, right? Which when you is where say I think events. What do you mean? Like when you run into something and a ball roll bowls you over? Yeah, it's got stuff like that, that that's more minor. But you know, some of the mid series would be like, oh, you'd land on a space and it would be Donkey Kong, and Donkey Kong would play a game with you, and if you beat Donkey Kong in the game, he'd give you a star. Or Bowser would hop out of his house and he would go on a long walk, and every space he touched turned into a red space. Or um, Mario Party Five had event capsules where you would throw things on the different spaces to make them into a space where a chain chomp might come up and help you steal something. Or uh, it'll burn all the capsules you're holding and make you run really far. So it would have just way more randomness. Some of that I like, and I think there there is – I feel like there's room in this game for a little more chaos, but uh, I like that it's not so overwhelming that, you know, you can't have any sort of uh, strategy going. Yeah. it's it's Well, so my experience of it, I played one board game. Um, and then I played the river rafting thing, and then I played the more active thing where you get up and dance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that playing those three back to back was a really nice sampling. 
um, of of just this game as a package. Um, the one where you're up and you're like jumping and dancing is really fun. Did you play that one at all? Not yet. I didn't um, do the one where it's tabletop because I don't have two copies of the game myself. Um, no, neither do I either. But um, that so that's yet another thing. Although I think it's pretty minor from what I can tell. I mean, seems like three or four games. Yeah, and and they're you know okay, it's cool, and I want to try it once. Like I go to a Switch meetup, so I'll try it there and and like see how it is when you match up bananas by putting the two switches together. Like that'll be fun for five minutes. Yeah, um, but after and or you can little tanks and like, oh, well, I was just going to get you with this tank. But no, we're going to move the pads around and change the map. So now I'm going to like be over here and you have to come get me over. I mean, it sounds like frantic fun for five minutes. All of it does. But anyway, sure. The one where you're dancing, that one's fun. And you do this thing where it's like it's a lot like Rhythm Heaven. If you've played that mm-hmm. where it's like one, two, three. Yep. One, two, three. Hup, hep. Yep. And you do like different motions when you do when you hear each sound and and you have to keep it in sync and you're competing. It's it's competitive. So like there's this one where you have to have the little uh, uh, remote in your hand and and you like do this thing where you have to cheer. And then there's another one where you're pulling the reins on a horse in a rhythm. It's cool. It's really fun and really active and really was a good sort of separator. Um, The main board game mode is really fun. Like you said, it's not as random. It's not as chaotic. Um, It's just a good solid. It reminds me of the fun I had with five, six and seven um, on GameCube and, and the like when I was just having a great time, you know, being an asshole to people when I take their star and like telling them, you just got played. Look at my star collection, you know, stuff like that. They really wanted to get back to just what people loved about Mario Party in the first place. Um, and I think what works for this game really well is the mini games are pretty great across the board. I they don't... really are. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any duds. I haven't played them all yet. Right. Um, How many are there total? Is it 80? I think I read. It's 80 total mini games. Yeah. I don't know if that includes uh, like the rhythm ones as a separate thing, and I yeah. don't know if those show up as much in the main board game mode. So yeah. might be well, a little also, variance there. Also, there's only a couple of those. Like I think there's a couple remix modes of it, but essentially it's like three modes and then like they they alternate a little bit into in a couple ways so even if they did count that's three you know yeah um so did you play the co-op at all um a little bit i well i tried river the river rafting that's um, what i mean by co-op that's sort of the co-op right well there's also like the 2v2 board game mode where it's like an srpg and you can like pick your paths a little more differently what i didn't know about this tell me about it yeah, so it's like you're you're playing two v two, and you each you go together, but instead of it being strictly you know space by space, it's like a grid, and you move towards, and you're like you can split up and be like, I want to go get an ally, while the other person goes gets a star. I haven't played it yet, so I don't know too much of the details. Um, and of course, you're only playing two v two mini games at that point, so that's a little limited, and that's one of the complaints I've heard against it because you know if you go into any of these individual modes, you're gonna see a lot of the same mini games because you know if you look at there being free for all. 2v2, 1v3 minigames, then you have a lot less variety at that right. point. Right, you're curtailing things, absolutely. And you know, when I did the river rafting one, um, we did get to the end, and I think it's not too hard to, it's pretty forgiving as far as like the timing. Um, yeah, as yeah. long as you're hitting the mini games. Yeah, exactly. If you just try to go, you'll run out of time, but you know, you get 32 seconds for just like one minigame win, so yeah, you get a lot of time. I think we ended with like 182 seconds on the clock, it was pretty solid. But, um, you know, it's... I think in in my first run through of doing the full run, um, I think I had like one mini game repeat. So that is yeah. so bad, I guess. It's I mean, fun. it is. It's interesting to me because they have it 
it's weird because when you start, I kind of wish all the mini games were uh, mystery question marks at the beginning because it definitely when you're when you're starting out, it prioritizes like every time you see a question mark spot on the board when it's quote unquote random, you're going to land on one of those. Yeah. Um, so it's weird to me that they were like some of these mini games are already uncovered, except you're not going to get to play them for a while. So wait, so so let me explain this though. So when we started doing the one with the question marks, it seems like it landed on one with the question marks every time when we start. Was or, is, or was that? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, that's that? what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh. So no, you know, no. What I'm saying is, it's like that. Some of them are revealed at the start, but those end up being the ones you play last because the game prioritizes showing the quote unquote new mini games, even though. Like, for our first game, we hadn't played anything, obviously, so it was kind of weird that way. That's really weird. You're right. What an odd choice. It's literally the ones that supposedly are, are locked are actually unlocked first, essentially. Interesting. Now, maybe that's if you choose to do River Survival first, then there are already those games unlocked. But, I mean, it's a mix of them. Like, there are 1v1, or there are 1v3, you know, 2v2, and all free-for-all ones unlocked. So, I, I don't know. It's just kind of an odd decision make yeah. them all mystery i mean i mean that's part of the fun hey did you play the one with the uh, yeah that's a really good point why do that i think it's only because they wanted to have a certain subset of them that you could play in like just mini game mode i'm sure there's a mode you can just play mini games that is true yeah um so that's probably why they can't just say oh nothing's un- unlocked but then you know i think a lot of nintendo games do that they're just like nothing's unlocked you got to start playing the campaign or the story or whatever it may be yeah, I mean, um, Smash Bros, they've said, could start with as few as the original 12 characters out yeah. of, you know, the 100 there, or the 80 they're approaching. So. I hope it does. I think it was a big, a big not a misstep, because whatever, right? But in Mario Deluxe, um, Mario Kart Deluxe, it sort of was a bummer to not unlock much stuff, you know? So Yeah, it's just the vehicle parts, which, you know, do give a difference. But yeah, I, I mean, that's part of the fun, and I think Nintendo games, more than a lot of other developers anymore are fun for the unlocks for the hidden stuff. And I I want like the, the sense of constant newness to come through. And um, this, this game has it. Cause I mean, obviously you haven't played the mini games before. Um, There's not a lot unlocked and getting towards the stuff. I'm not a huge fan of. I wish there were more than four boards. Uh, It's definitely a very small lineup, especially when they are uh, on the whole, fairly small boards, which I guess they did to make for quicker parties and less uh, dead zones in them. Because a, a lot with the older boards being so massive, it would be a long time to get to a star. And this way, there's a little bit more of that chaos if anyone can get there. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of that, speaking of that, what did you think of that decision to very clearly delineate? This here is a path for collecting more coins. This is the path to the star. What did you think about that? At least on the one board I did. Um, I'm okay with stuff like that. I, I think it's good to try to help signpost things like that. Although, uh, you know, money in on the whole, I've found that the the economy of the game feels a little off. Like, like it's too frequent that you, uh, excuse me, it's too infrequent that you get to a star and can't afford it. Yeah, like I, I've, I mean, outside of you know, Toadette Landing like right by the starting point. It it felt like I always had at least enough money. I don't know if I would have wanted the stars to cost more or uh, to to let money be a little less frequent. It just felt like the minigame stopped being as important because I had so much money. I thought that, um, I thought that, well, I mean, you still have the inherent, you know, competitiveness of it. And also just, you know, coins do matter if you're tied on, on stars. And then that could happen because there's steals that can happen. So, I mean, the coins do matter, but and I, the bonus stars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they're unimportant. No, I just, know. I know it, 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 it limits it, 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 yeah. 
it removes some of the of the importance of, of competing and doing well when you don't need the prize as badly. I get it. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 definitely um, interesting um, that you really can always buy a star. I don't know how I do or don't feel about that yet. I think I feel like in the other games, and I'm probably wrong about this, and everybody listening is gonna be like, "You're wrong," but I thought it was twenty coins before you needed. it. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. That might have changed, like in maybe ten or nine or whatever. But no, back in like. One through six at the at the very least it was twenty car yeah. coins per star, and I think that makes um, more sense. I mean, you know, keep the keep the the things just where they are and just make it twenty coins instead of ten. Because when I got there with nineteen coins, I was like, "Fuck, I'm fucked," and I was like, "No, I'm not fucked." You know, um, I have. Yeah, 19, I mean, they start you, know. you with five coins, so it just always feels a little too. It, it's a little too generous to me, but I also think it's like an easy fix. Give us, you know a bit more game setting potential to like raise the price of the coin or stars or I, I feel like they could definitely DLC in some more options for people that want yeah. to make those changes. Absolutely. And we are um, in the era of Nintendo finally like 30% getting the idea of DLC and the idea of letting people play games the way they want to and all of that. So it's it's conceivable they'd do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think that uh, they could put... I mean, if they did even just two more DLC boards um, and then some options... I like. I, I really like this game because I don't want to seem... I mean, there are negatives to it. I think it's just a matter of me liking the bigger boards from the past with a bit more gimmicks. Um, yeah, and, and more, that and are more, more random And more atmosphere. Like a really jungly board, you know? Yeah. Um, so, which board did you play? Because you I said you... I played the main one, the first one, but I looked at the like the pictures of the rest. Yeah. Um, so I I think let, let's see here. So the, what are the four? There's Womp's uh, ruins. There's King Bobom's factory, uh, and then there's the fruit island, and then Kamek's thing is unlockable. So I'm guessing it wasn't that one. No, it wasn't. It was the it was the um, I'm looking at them right now. Um, it was the it was the Womp's. It was the Womps. okay. Yeah. The and most... that that one's. Yeah, probably the most straightforward board. It's very um, I'm trying to think if there was other things I, I kind of wish, you know, uh, it's one of those elements of randomness, but like the ability to go immediately the the golden warp pipes, not that expensive either uh, to go right to the star. That was another item thing that I was like, Egh. oh, I, it just it yeah. feels very generous. Yeah, I actually didn't even know that that was a thing. But again, I've played one board. So, you know, essentially at this point. I have a lot less to complain about because I haven't really repeated any mini games. I basically got to ex explore all the best content. Bam, bam, bam! I played a board, then I played the competitive mode, then I played the co-op mode. One, two, three, and everything was new and everything was fresh, and it was just everything you'd want in Mario Party. And of course, it had fixed a lot of the things that you know ailed us, uh, like riding in a car together, which is just the most ludicrous thing yeah. I've ever heard. Um, that's essentially just a mini game collection at that point, you know? Yeah, um, but no. Yeah. Like, uh, no, on the whole, I, I agree. I think it's very good at showing a lot of really good stuff up front. Uh, having a lot of mini games, I think, is a good thing. 80 is a solid number. It is. And, uh, like, my biggest worry is just longevity, but I also don't think of Mario Party as a game I need to be able to play a lot. Oh. I think of it as a game, you know, that I've played a couple times. I took it to a friend's house, played it a couple times there. You know, MAGFest is just a couple months away. I'm definitely going to bring it to MAGFest and, you know, figure out a way to play it there because all yeah. my friends are going to be around. And, you know, it'll provide fun. It's more of like a, a fun centerpiece to having a good time with friends than it's something that I want to dig deep into. Absolutely. Um, it's also the I kind do, of I wish... thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go it's ahead. also the kind of thing where, like... It's very hard to buy a Super Mario Party game, much like it's hard to buy a $100 board game, I'd imagine. Because it's like, 
you know, there's so many things I could play, like where Red Dead's coming out, you know, so many things I could play for, for $60 that'll just be so much content for me to enjoy in my house. And then, like, I buy Super Mario Party, and it's really cool, but I may not know how cool it is until six months, you know, when we have yeah. the times and the opportunities to play it with people. And, and then I really, you know, so we may be saying six months from now, like, oh, my God, this game owns, you know. I mean, it's already really <laughs> good, but you know what I mean? It may just yeah. be like, oh, my God, it's essential. I don't know what I ever did without it six months from now, so. Yeah, but no, I mean, as is, I wish it had a little more content in terms of boards, but, um, oh, we didn't even mention, I really like the ally dice system, or the the fact that each oh, character yeah. has their own die. That's super um, unique. They're not super random, I've never, I mean, they all have their, their places, um, you know, having spots that don't move you anything can actually be pre- pretty valuable, since if you don't move when you're on, like, an event spot, you'll reactivate the event, because it'll count as having moved zero spaces, so that's a cool thing. I also like the idea of having two partners, which I got at one point. I was loving that. There was like my – it was my coin. I think you can have two, can't you? You can go up to four at the very least. That's awesome. I, I love had someone that idea. get four. I you love know, Then that. you're moving an extra four to eight spaces a turn. I love and that I idea. And I think at that point – I love that idea, but I think when you get so many allies, that's where the, the fact that the boards are so, so small really yeah. does come in. Because yes. if you're moving upwards of you know 20 – you know, you throw out a golden mushroom on top of four allies, and then you're say you have your character die, and it's really big. You know, someone could hypothetically move up to like twenty twenty five spaces in right, one and turn. It's like two runs through the board, or, or close to it anyway. Um, yeah. So no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. How were the other boards? Like Womps was cool, but wh- how? What's the best board of the other two you've played? I guess, or unless you um, played all four. No, I haven't played Cowbick's Tower yet. Uh, for me, I think. I really like the the Bob-Ob one. It's got a very strong with the centralized spot with a lot of risk-reward to using the quicker paths because if you hit the spots enough time, it'll blow up. Um, so it's hot potato-ish. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it, it's got a nice flow to it. It's, it's a little bit um, – they're all kind of similar with like four loops that are connected by connections. Which is my biggest problem. They're they're not super samey. I don't want to say that, but they they definitely have a similar feel to them. Yeah. Um, in their layout, but the gimmicks on each one are a little bit different enough to you know not make that too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. How about the third one? Uh, the, the fruit island is a lot of fun as well. Um, okay. It's got a again. This is where I think. Uh, you know, 15 to 20 turns is probably the best spot. Because you could obviously play longer if you really want to have a marathon. But some of the things that happen on the boards happen and then are just done. It's so like there's a, there's a land bridge that connects two of the islands in the the Fruit Island Paradise. And once it collapses, it's just gone. There's no way to bring it back. It's just you can no longer travel between those two islands. You have to go the long way. Interesting. And so, um, so yeah, and that, I think it's I'd similar say, with that other makes events. 15 or 20 absolutely the limit on that one, I'd say. Yeah, and they all kind of have things like that where you do certain things and you can get bonus stars, but then once you've gotten them, you've gotten them. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that it had that, that like, diminishing returns in terms of explorability with the boards. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, overall, I've really been enjoying it. Um, I think it's a really fun way to hang out with friends, uh, and I look forward to playing more of it, and I really hope they do some DLC. Yeah, they, yeah, I'm sure they will. Or well, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's Nintendo. Um, nothing is certain. Everything is possible, right? Um, yeah. AC. All right. Um, cool. So I guess that that's it for Super Mario Party. All around, uh, a really solid entry, and thank God after so much, such a bad run of uh, Mario Party games. Yeah, at least a decade. It feels like. I know, really. And that 100. Every time I see it in the DS, 3DS lineup, I'm like, oh. I like Mario Party, but never am I going to pick that thing up. No, um, had they done, like, a Mario Party, the the top 100, but it still had boards, 
that'd be fine. But I, no, yeah, just playing the mini games is uh, it's it, that we get old after a while. I as fun as some of them are, it's just like a, I liked flipping the meat cube and stuff like that. But I wouldn't want to just be doing that. I'll tell you what, my favorite one was thus far, and I think the person I was playing with liked it the best too. The, the candle lighting one. Did you do that? Yeah, that's a fun one. That one rules. I mean, it's just so aesthetic. That's the thing also. Again, I've only done the one board, but I love the aesthetics of some of the older Mario Party boards. Like, I felt like the jungle felt really jungly. I don't know why that sticks out to me, but there was this jungle board I remember that was just very lush. Um, anyway, i got to play the rest of the boards before I can really comment. Cool. Fun game. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into our main topic. Excellent. Excellent. Segue uh, it up. Multiplayer games. Um, you know, we've talked... We always talk about single player, and you know, I think for both of us, a big, meaty single player experience is typically what we want from a game. Right. Uh, Which you know, is we not the norm anymore in, in, in gaming. No. Uh,. Not even co-op, which which I think is a separate experience that can also be really good. But no, I mean, multiplayer is, is really where gaming is at these days. Yeah, it, it's, it's so if we talk about the biggest games that are out, right? It's PUBG, it's Fortnite especially, um, it's Black Ops, it's Battlefield 5 or Battlefield 1, whichever way you want to look at it. Battlefront was huge, although the DLC kind of hurt it badly. Um, it's League of Legends, it's Dota, um, it's Hearthstone. I mean, these are the games that are just absolutely massive. Um, and, and yes, there are a couple exceptions of single-player games that, that, that rise to that level, don't have the longevity, but they rise to that level at least initially. Games like God of War this year, obviously Red Dead, when it comes out, it's going to just be ridiculous. I mean, the sales I can't even imagine. Um, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto did, did that, of course, 5, and, and had legs like you wouldn't believe, but that has multiplayer, never mind. Um, and, but I mean, the single player games, there are some that do it. Horizon Zero Dawn, I think sold really well. Um, you know, so there, there are games that rise to that like level. Oh, Spider-Man. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Um, that rise to the level of like, they're, they're at least for a short time as big as these multiplayer games that we're mentioning, but for games to have legs and longevity and really make money over time, um, multiplayer is king. There's no question. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big deal. And you know, I get it to an extent. It's. Especially with a lot of these games, you have to consider they're either very cheap entry or they are free to play and they make it so that, you know, when you get one game, it can be your game for hundreds of hours for the year. And, yeah. you know, we've talked before about how there are those gamers that it's like when Madden or Call of Duty comes out, that's the game they're going to get and play for the next year. Right. And, and you know, essentially, I, I know that in microcosm because – like, I have AC Odyssey that I'm playing right now, and it's to the exclusion of everything else because I'm so absorbed in it, I can't imagine playing anything else. Um, so I know what that feels like for a month or two, but not for a year or two. Um, also, my and this is something that's going to come up when I talk about multiplayer, is Destiny. Um, this is the closest I've ever gotten to playing, like, a World of Warcraft or a um, Realm Reborn or a, you know, uh, what's that other one, that, that uh, 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 Digital Realms game that's really big now, Warframe. Um, these type of games that are like these shared world shooters or shared world experiences, the new Halo is going to be that, Anthem's coming out February, March. Um, so that was my first sort of experience in really giving into that whole thing. Um, and that also led to me playing some multiplayer, as well as the co-op stuff and the raids and all that kind of thing. But I did play quite a bit of multiplayer in Destiny also. And I and you remember when I was into Destiny, part of it was when I was out in San Francisco, so you didn't see it as firsthand. But, uh -huh. uh, but, but I mean, that was my life. I mean, it was, and not just for a month, I mean, for six months, it was Destiny and nothing else. Um, so I know what that feels like. But again, in microcosm, you've been playing Overwatch for what, two years, right? 
Yeah, approaching on that since I first picked it up. So, I mean, you know, what's that like? What does that feel like to play a game like that? Because that's really a new experience for you, at least in my understanding of you and games. No, certainly. I'm not huge on multiplayer games. I mean, it's having people to play it with, which I think was definitely part of Destiny for you. Sure, sure. Um, You know, as far as Overwatch, you know, having uh, Kelsey and her brother or whoever else, you know, of our friend group happens to be playing it at the time, it makes it a lot easier to play i mean it's a very fun game like like overwatch is very tight the gun controls and the different characters are all unique and a lot of fun and they're always changing things and they have a very good system where you know it goes about every month something new comes out whether it be a map or the event or a character rework or a brand new character they have yeah they're pretty good at keeping things fresh um it's just uh i don't know it's like i i feel like (laughs) I don't feel like I'm not that old, but, you know, as you get as I'm getting older and it's it's more work or having other work or taking things up, it's like it's just an easy game to play because I'm familiar with it. I don't have to learn new things. I can just go in, play a few rounds, level up, get a box um, and the loot box part. That's a whole thi- other thing, obviously, as a yeah. discussion. But, uh, you know, I like getting skins that I like and um, just just playing Mystery Heroes or uh, Deathmatch or 1v1. I, it's just got enough variety that I always have fun. And then new characters Sometimes, come out. Yeah, the new characters really shake things up. Uh, Torbjorn and Symmetra both got massively overhauled recently, so they feel similar but very new. Um, so it's it's just stuff that it's familiar and it's easy and, to go back to. And you also touch on something really interesting when you said that I always talk about it and hang out with and go on and play with, you know, people that I know, my friend group. And I think that's something that you, it's impossible to overlook when it, when you talk about multiplayer. And that is the way that multiplayer really expands into the mainstream is people get together with their friends that they never see or don't have time to hang out with because they're in their twenties and thirties instead of in their teens. Um, and so, fundamentally their lives are changed so they're at home for an hour or two at night and if you play a single player game that's great you get absorbed in it and for me it takes me away and that's really what i mainly want but for a lot of people that's their social time you know the kid is to bed or mom's taking care of the kid or dad's taking care of the kid um and and you have some time to go online and hang with your friends and play games and and socialize and that's a big part of it not so much for me um but it is a big part of it and you know even when we play co-op it's really, really cool because you catch up with people. Doing this podcast, we catch up. Um, and so anything that's social around gaming is great. And for some people, it's essential. You know, this is that's how they keep up with their friend group is, is playing PUBG. No, I definitely think that's part of it. I mean, even when uh, – because, I mean, I do other things with friends, watch stuff or um, – well, mainly watch stuff, but Which is much the- less common, by the way. Like that's something you do that not that many people do. I don't think do like screen share on Xbox and watch Netflix. Like I'm sure there are people that do it, but nowhere near like people that play games and hang. No, certainly. Um, but no, Overwatch is great because even it'll a lot of times be, you know, join a game. We'll be playing, but you know, we'll just be chatting and catching up or talking about the news for the week. You know, right. it's it's. It's just a way to be doing something while we're talking as opposed to just talking, and Overwatch is a really fun thing to do. It used to be Minecraft for that similar reason. Wow, you really played Minecraft intensely? 
Uh, yeah, with with uh, Kelsey and Adam, we would we would have a world and we'd build in it, but we'd be talking and chatting. I had no idea. Um, I, I don't know something about that. I just never realized that that was like going on. Um, but um, <laughs> but that's fine because Minecraft to me is just like oh my god, I can't. I mean, it's just the fact that so much of a YouTube following grew up around Minecraft and it became so huge for Minecraft creators to be like huge like money making stars making Minecraft worlds and not necessarily awesome Minecraft worlds. Sure, there are people that go on and they make this gorgeous lego monorail or something exquisite I'm, I'm, that's a small example westeros whatever um and all these amazing things but then a lot of these stars they're just on there effing around in minecraft yeah. like not even making cool shit just trying out levels and they become pretty popular that's how huge that got um and and it always blew my mind i was like this is to me and i and i and I've, i'm starting to come around somewhat on the youtube you know uh let's plays and 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 you know personality gamers and the idea of influencers and all that i'm coming around on it a little bit it'll never be my favorite thing but you know i'm getting it more than i ever did but I, I i just would see that and i'd be like this is the most boring shit i've ever watched but for some people it's <laughs> like it's life itself and and I, I think that's great. I, I I wish I had that entree into it. Or like watching watching people um like PewDiePie play Five Nights at Freddy's. Like I, I that's death to me. But to some people, it's life itself. You know. So it's just different strokes, right? I mean, it depends on the YouTuber and how they present themselves. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Let's Plays, but I watch Super Beard Bros. Pretty right. religiously because I like their banter and how they talk and the the jokes they make but yeah right. i mean and also it, the aesthetic they create you know it's like when yeah, you watch something it's 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 an aesthetic it's a feeling you get when you watch it like when you were watching the you were telling me that you were watching that D show with the dudes from um uh polygon Oh, the 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 um uh the podcast, the Adventure Zone. Yeah, you were you were you were watching and listening, watching their videos and 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 listening to that podcast, and and when it was over, you missed them, hanging out with them, their vibe, their their flow, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, I still listen to their other podcasts and they their new their new their new campaign, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely like that. That's very singular to just that being such a good story that yeah. they told. But yeah, yeah but I feel also what you it's mean. it's beyond the story, though, right? It's okay. That's maybe a bad example because that story was so excellent and it actually what had merit as a story. But I just mean people talking shit about God knows what with no compelling narrative, but yet. There is like the interplay between them. Like I'm sure on Super Beard Bros, when when they talk, there's all these in jokes, and you know how they feel no, about absolutely. each other, and you know how they feel about uh, the gaming world, and what their favorites and least favorites are. And one person's like, "I like Madden," the other person's like, "You Madden freak? What do you like Madden for?" And, and you know, there's all these this stuff that goes on that. And then when you when you look at that, like if I tried to graph that on a piece of paper, it would look much like a diorama or a landscape, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, and in terms of just that social aspect, yes. um, and multiplayer games lend themselves to social aspects, obviously. Right. Um, as far as like where, like, I, obviously again, I've said we were both very much into single player, but where was, what was multiplayer like for you as a kid? Like what were the games back then that you were really into? So, so again, it's always been co-op for me. Um, I was never into co competitive gaming. Um, I think the closest that I came to competitive gaming was the power pad. Um, which is crazy, but true. Um, so we would play, um, the, the power pad had like, um, track and field on it. And so I figured out really early on that the power pad was not a very sophisticated device to say, at least this is on Nintendo entertainment system. Is this yeah. pad? And it basically was like, um, imagine for people that don't know, imagine a, um, uh, twister board 
but the little the little dots on the board actually are little pads with sensors in them and you run on them in track and field or you run and then jump and the sensor realizes oh that foot's not on me anymore i guess you're jumping you know um and so that's literally the extent of how complicated that got but what was cool was i i gamed it so i realized that my friend tom peretti is running 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 like a madman like legit running and I'm over there like tat 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 like barely lifting my feet and destroying him at track and field. Um, and it was just a really cool thing that I was able to do and uh, feel like a badass. So whenever you can find little exploits like that, um, that's super fun. And I, I'd say that was the origin of it. But that really led to playing co-op games, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, no, I, and I was more into like Contra. Contra to me is one of my absolute entrees and i'll tell you the experience i think i've talked about this once before on the podcast but my friend same friend tom peretti he was the one who had a nintendo before i did when i was really young we used to go to the arcade and play ninja turtles four player but then he got a nintendo and he'd play a couple games and then eventually he got like he, we were playing i don't know like the wrestling game we enjoyed together and that was competitive actually wrestlemania on there um and then uh he he went to the store one day and he comes home with Contra. He went there not knowing what game he was going to get. And he just picked Contra randomly. And it just so happens to be one of the best games of all time. So I thought that the, that Toys R Us was full of a big wall of nothing but Contras. <laughs> and uh, and so that was the impression I had. Is any game you pick up is going to be this good. And of course that's not the case. But playing no. Contra with the 30-man code only, of course, is so fun. And just running through that world and playing co-op. Again, that's co-op. Um, but, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, competitive stuff was fun when I was playing WrestleMania or track and field, but it never really, like, extended much beyond that. Um, and then, of course, you know, with, uh, what, PlayStation 1 and 2 and the original Xbox, like, you know, I did some racing games a little bit and some snowboarding games a little bit. Um, you know, I played a little bit of four-player Halo, but even back then on the original Xbox, I was always like, you guys play, I'm good. You know, this is always how I was. I'm just not very competitive by nature. Not in that way. I'm competitive like I want to be successful, but I'm not really like and I see people successful and I want to be where they are, you know, and, and, and achieve the same accomplishments they've achieved because they inspire me. And I'm competitive with them, of course, too. But when it comes to one on one or even one on three, I just don't really care that much. I don't know. I mean, I think that's fair. I, I've definitely don't get me wrong. I definitely know that about you from from <laughs> years of friendship. That it's yeah. always you know a preference for cooperative or single player or things where people are working together. Um, to me, I I never I don't ever think of myself as a big big multiplayer gamer. But I mean, there are definitely ones from the past that I love. Um, where, what's your origin on, on multiplayer and your your backstory? I mean, I tried to think really far back, and and as far as like the Genesis days, I can't even think of that many of them. Um, there aren't I think that the, many. No, I think the big thing back in the day was fighting games. Oh, I forgot still. about that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I'll, I'll add my two cents in a minute. No, no, yeah. So, like, uh, I remember playing a lot of <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighter as a kid uh, with my mom and just really enjoying that. And then fighting games in general, it's never been my favorite genre, but I always come back to it over the years. Um you know, Injustice 2 was a really big game for me last year, and I had a lot of fun playing that and playing it against friends. Uh, and then, you know, Smash Brothers, you know, obviously I'm excited for the new one. And Melee and Brawl and uh, not as much the 3DS Wii U version, but but those two games especially, I remember playing it a lot with friends and really enjoying it and setting the different rules and stocks and which items were turned on. And I think Smash, obviously Nintendo is very good at making party games. We just gushed about Super Mario Party, yeah. but – 
Uh, no, Smash Brothers was always a good one. And I think fighting games like uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, I've always dabbled in a little. They're always – like when, when I would go over to friends' houses, they were always featured heavily. I'll put yeah. it that way. Well, I love I loved Mortal Kombat and a little bit Street Fighter, but mainly Mortal Kombat. When I first started playing that, I loved it and I learned all the fatalities. And I would play that competitively with people on the Super Nintendo. And I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but I also enjoyed playing the computer. You know, I really, I just really just enjoyed the mechanics of those games. And the other one is when I was less into video games, but I was in a band and we played, we had a, we had a, um, a storage space and an old TV in there and a Nintendo 64 and a copy of Killer Instinct. Um, nice. and we would go crazy on it, man. I mean, it was really fun. And when you get out little like arguments that way and, and just like, you know, one of my favorite scenes ever is that scene in the 40 year old virgin where Seth Rogen is, <laughs> uh, is playing mortal Kombat with, um, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah. And, and he gets that part. He goes, I am literally ripping your heart out of your chest right now. And then, and then you see the screen and then he goes, yep, I'm doing it. I'm about to throw it at your feet. And then you see the character on the screen and he goes, and fuck you. And then like you see on the screen, the, the, the heart goes and smacks him in the face. And I was just like, that's awesome. I mean, it really shows how fun, you know, camaraderie can be in those games. And Paul Rudd looks so disgusted. That's great. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I remember that scene a lot. Um, but no, the, the fighting games are, I, I like them, but it's not like I'm running out to get Soul Calibur six. Right. Injustice two was kind of a, uh, outlier just because I like DC. Yeah, right, right. It's like wrestling, getting you into that wrestling game at, at all. Um, these are these are gateways, and that's why in, Injustice Two exists because the license sells that game in big part. You know. Yeah. Um, other games when I, from earlier on, racing games are always a favorite. I remember playing a lot of Mario Kart sixty four. Yeah. Um, racing, I think, is a little less. I mean, it's still competitive, but it feels less personal. And it's super rubber bandy. Uh, all those games. So Nintendo yeah. really, again, they're masters of those games. They figured out how to make it not suck as bad. Because if you're in last place, most of the time there's that kid who sucks real bad. Once in a while it's me, mostly it's not. But, like, who's always last. Well, in that game, you might go from last to second or first. And that makes it feel less painful. Like Everybody's got a shot at all times. You're not left in the dust. Yeah, and uh, I've always enjoyed kart racers. Uh, Mario Kart, Crash Kart Racing. Um, Sonic. Sonic at All-Stars Racing was a, another big favorite of mine. And that has there's a new Sonic Racing game coming out just in a month or two uh, with Sonic Team Racing. So I don't know. I hope that gets good reviews, and yeah. I'll probably check that out. Well, I, I um, see in its future, in my crystal ball, 6.75. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Um, heck, I even played Konami Crazy Racers on the Game Boy Advance. I was a real big fan of that. Damn, uh, never man. realistic racing games, though. Like, Forza has never been my thing. No. The closest I've come is Burnout, and that was because it obviously had the super crash cool one. crash system. Yeah. Um, and I wish a new Burnout would come out, but... Yeah, see, I mean, did unlikely. you play Paradise a lot? Oh, I played a good bit of Paradise. Paradise um, I know that there's Paradise Remastered, which I don't know. All I know about is, is I hope they gave a restart button. Because that was the biggest problem yeah, with Burnout really Paradise. Sucked. It really sucked. You'd go past the... I mean, because those... Yeah, you'd be playing a race or a crash thing or whatever they had. And uh, after you'd finish it, you'd be off somewhere like in the far distance. And you really just want to play that race again. And you can't. Because you have to drive yeah. back. And then you're playing another race. And it just made the whole thing feel kind of disjointed. I bet you it does have that feature. I'd be surprised if it didn't. That was like the biggest complaint. But um, otherwise, like, I'm trying to think. Even through... Um, Halo 2 was a big game for me as well. Like, I got really in... Halo 2 was a system seller to me. I bought an Xbox to play Halo 2. I remember 
playing it a lot with friends. One of my favorite gaming memories is we took a road trip, uh, me and some friends, to see a band in Virginia. Was and it Real so, Big Fish? I think it was Real Big I th- Fish. I think, I think I remember that. You telling me that. Um, but we our, our, two of our moms rented a van for all of us to go in. And the minivan had a TV in it, you know, one of those little oh, fold Oh, I used to love that idea. Yes, and so what we did is we hooked the Xbox up to that TV and then played four-player split-screen multiplayer on, on a 9-inch like, television. That's awesome. And did it for hours, and it was probably horrible for our eyesight, but we were like 12. Hey, it was our eyes were fine. Did you ever play GoldenEye, speaking of that? Never, and and yeah. I I wasn't quite old enough, I think, to have the sort of crowd that was super into it. Yeah, um, which was unfortunate because obviously it's not really the same now. It's not playable could, now. Like, it's only it. n- it's a nostalgia trip and nothing but. Yeah, uh, but Halo has always been a favorite. I always go back to Halo every time there is a new Halo. Um, I I love the campaign existing. I don't always love the campaign as Halo Five was pretty bad. Um, but the multiplayer is always a really big focus. I spend a lot of time in it. I love playing Slayer and Zombie Mode. That's another one of my favorite memories is Halo 3 came out. And I went to a friend I hadn't seen since middle school invited me over because he was having a bunch of friends over to play Halo 3, like with two TVs and two Xboxes and, and you know, eight players, just all local for the whole night. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and I got there and lo and behold, two of my friends from high school that I didn't know knew this guy were also there. So oh, suddenly so it's cool. just like a whole thing. And we played Halo for like eight hours. Um, and I, I still just think about that. And that's why Halo has always stayed with me. It's a game I, I love playing the multiplayer in with a group of friends. Um, and then shooters. I always find multiplayer in the mid 2000s, uh, mid to late 2000s, very interesting because um, if you look at that era, shooters that didn't need multiplayer always had it tacked on. Always. Like, even games, like, I don't know if this one in particular, but the kind of game would be, like, like Dark Sector or PsyOps or, or um, uh, um, what's that one, uh, Red Faction, all of those kind. Of, I think I actually just named three games that didn't have any multiplayer. But those what kind of games, those but kind of games. But you had to have it. You had yes. to have a multiplayer suite. Even if you had a terrible net code and no one was playing it, you would have that. You would have a bunch of multiplayer achievements to play so it for right. an ungodly amount of time. And then one day, mercifully, that trend finally ended. Um, even Assassin's Creed, and, and again, they made a really cool multiplayer mode for those two games, one or two games, and they just scrapped it. But for regardless of the fact that it ended up being cool, like the idea of Assassin's Creed having a multiplayer is just like, really? Like they never would have done that if it wasn't like something that was just had to be done to every game. Bioshock had multiplayer. Last of Us, I heard it's good, but still, Last of Us had multiplayer. Like, there's a lot, and that was kind of like the end of it, I think, really right there. It was kind of like the last hurrah of it being kind of a requisite, maybe a little before But she had, you had named two of my favorites. Um, I, I mean, the Assassin's Creed, I think, that has a following, definitely. People really loved that, because it did yeah. do something unique, and I think that was a problem with a lot of them is that, it was awesome. you know, you got a lot of games that just had standard deathmatch and capture the flag and they just kind of did it and they had bad maps. But Assassin's Creed with the whole – because the way it worked is you would have – you'd be an assassin uh, and then all of the multiplayer characters would be their own skin and the NPCs would all just look like the eight people in the match. Right. And so the goal was to fo- – you would have a target. You would know who you were looking for and the goal would be to stealth kill that person – uh, figure out who they are without you know, them observe their out behavior. Who you are. 
Yeah. And then uh, now we, a lot of people played it really poorly at times, but um, and would just like sprint around. Here's what was awesome about it, though, and I said this like years and years and years ago when we first talked about this. But what makes it awesome is it takes an inherent weakness of games like okay so here's a limitation of video games there's only eight to 16 different character models for npcs and they're all slight variations but generally speaking they're all the same you can't have 500 different faces it's just too much work to animate to to to, to draw all of that so assassin's creed took that cue and said hey you're gonna see four different peacock ladies but only one of them is the one you're supposed to kill and you have to watch their behavior and figure out which one is controlled by a real person. It's genius. It was genius. Yeah, and and they did a really good job of making it that, you know, you got way more points for stealth killing, so, you know, you could just run around, but you weren't going to win. Um, I remember it was very, it was a lot of fun. I would frequently come in first. I remember, uh, this is another multiplayer thing, there was a while where I think you, me, and, you know, Tim all were part of, like, the beta stress testing for Ubisoft games. Yeah, yeah. Um, Assassin's Creed was one of them. We also did, was it the Splinter Cell multiplayer for yeah, a time? I've forgotten we did all this. You're right, we did this. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah we, we would did. get online at like midnight or 11 o'clock and we would, we would just get paid. Not a lot of money. Very little, but it was cool. Yeah, to be part of the beta and test these games and just play multiplayer for a couple hours. Um, so that was a really interesting experience and I remember those games uh, a little more fondly because of that. Uh even when I didn't love the Splinter Cell multiplayer, but I was getting paid to do it and that was cool. Yeah, and and just just to be able to see that side of the games industry. Um you know, essentially QA or stress testing is is a cool aspect. Man, I I can't believe I totally blocked that out. <laughs> I actually blocked that whole memory out. That's so funny. I'm so glad we had this conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I remember it because I remember we would chat about it. And then they would, they would like send these weird messages on the things we needed to do for them. Um, but no, it was, uh, that was definitely one. The other big thing, uh, I mentioned I, I like two of those. Bioshock 2 should not have had a multiplayer mode, but I played a lot of it mm-hmm. just because I liked Bioshock. Bioshock's um, so good. Weirdly, that still apparently has a, uh, life going. I'm not, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I am surprised. I was about to say I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's I'm like totally bit, surprised. I, I, I'm like very surprised that that's because that's what uh, eight and a half years ago that Bioshock Two came out, and it's a multiplayer mode that died pretty quickly or seemed to. And not to they mention tried, the collection though. does not have it on there, so like no. there was no like resurgence with a remaster or anything. But you know, I, I I'll respect. I always respect it when the multiplayer at least tries a little harder. And Bioshock did. You know, it was as you leveled up, you got those, like, audio logs, and so there was sort of a story yeah. to it. which is cool. I'm into that. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Assassin's Creed tried that as well. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And I think there was two Assassin's Creeds that had multiplayer, right? Not just one? I, I want to say it was – I believe it was at least three, maybe four of them. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. I know it was through at least Assassin's Creed 3, but it might have been through Black Flag. I have to double check. That's crazy. That is really because it started with Brotherhood. That was like the whole point of that game. Well, I mean, it also gave a campaign. No, you're absolutely right. Um, Introduced um, in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and featured in Assassin's Creed Revelations, Assassin's Creed Three, and Assassin's Creed Four: Black Flag. By the way, this is um, just just for um, attribution. This is on Fandom's uh, Assassin's Creed Wiki. Okay. But yeah, no, I remember because I would I played every one of them. I I I, I liked that game mode. Yeah, um, that's cool. I didn't realize that. I yeah, I didn't know that that at Black Flag it was still hopping off. That's cool though. 
Um, yeah, most shooters, I won't even touch the multiplayer. I've never touched the Tomb Raider multiplayer or the Uncharted multiplayer or the Last of Us multiplayer. Nope. Um, I like it when they do something unique, but that is fairly rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as others, I'm trying to think of the big ones. I just a small behind the scenes thing. My my computer did crash in the middle of this, so I lost like the whole list I had made. So I'm trying to remember some of them. Oh, huh. uh, how about this? It, but, it wasn't a whole long one. I got a but. question for you. How about so we? I, t- I I touched briefly on MMOs and Destiny, and so I was really into Destiny for a while and played some of that multiplayer, and that's really fun. I think one of the important aspects of, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to ask you what I meant to ask you. Um, one of the things that Destiny reminds me with multiplayer is how important good mechanics are. Like I and I when I say that I mean core mechanics. I don't mean. Um, is it 4v4 or is it 88 person blackout deathmatch or I mean the actual gunplay or the actual assassinations or the actual like siege is a huge game and I'm sure like blowing up a wall and strangling somebody feels really fun right all of those things and in Splinter Cell it was really fun to like you know spies versus mercs was back that was one of the ones we stress tested I now remember Um, but all of that stuff it needs to feel good. And to me, no shooter has ever felt better than Destiny. Um, and I love it for that. That game just feels amazing. So I could even enjoy the multiplayer. And I've heard it's even better now that it's on PC. Not that I'll ever play it that way. Because um, I'm a hardcore console gamer. Always have been. But um, that is a really interesting and important aspect of multiplayer games. Is that your mechanics are sound. But the main thing I wanted to ask you was. That's my one foray into any kind of MMO, and I am going to play Anthem. Oh, and I played The uh, the Division a bit, too, which also had really good gunplay, but not as good as as Destiny. But, um... Hopeful for the sequel to be good. Yeah, it looks, it seems like it's going to be really good, but MMOs, what's your experience with that? Because that's multiplayer. Technically. It's in the um, name, man. It is in the name. I they're, they're single player to me. I mean, I never... Outside of raids, where you have to for the story, um, which I do in Final Fantasy fourteen when I pick that back up, I'll do the raids for, for because you have to to protect progress the uh, main quest line. Right. Otherwise, um, you wouldn't. <laughs> but even then, I mean, because they're so played and so many people have played them, it's like it's basically just following along as three other people. And, you know, playing my role, which is DPS, and, you know, I do that. And then the thing's over. The biggest the biggest issue is people getting impatient with you watching the cutscenes. Um, but, yeah, no, with multiplayer games, when I played World of Warcraft for a bit with Final Fantasy fourteen. I see them as single player experiences. Um, I'd like them. I've always, I've always been curious. That's why shared world games are always at least a little intriguing to me because I, I want an MMO that is more multiplayer focused. But it, or <laughs> that's so weird to say. Uh, but games that are built around being able to experience the story together is probably the better way to say it. Right. Well, and that's um, and that's the thing, right? That's what really makes. Again, we keep rounding about to co op when we want to rave. But it's really true. You know, when you have a multiplayer game that allows you to to do that, to, to experience a game together with people like Borderlands for us was so huge. Um, and, and that was a co-op experience that we played all together. And, you know, you'd be on this amazing journey through this game. And it was so vast and, ex- and fun. And you'd get cool weapons and you go to the hub area. I mean, it almost was MMO-ish in a way. And you would just explore that game together. That was really fun. But... Um, one thing I want to just emphasize really quickly is there's a couple unique things that both Destiny and The Division did on a multiplayer level. Um, I'm going to talk about The Division first. So The Division um, had this really cool mode. Um, what was that called when you were in the – was it like Black Market or what was that thing called when you were in the 
in the zone where you could die. What was that thing called? Oh, God. The blackout zone? The dead... The, the dead zone? I don't know. Oh, God. It's going to drive me crazy. I'm looking it up while I'm talking. But anyway, it had this zone that when you went in there, um, you it became PvP, essentially. You'd get the best weapons in there. Um, and the idea was that all the weapons from the, the multiplayer... Dark zone. Dark zone. All the, all the stuff in the multiplayer could go to the single player and so it was risk reward you'd go in there and then like it evolved over time but essentially you would go and be competitive you would do co-op and you would kill mobs but then somebody could kill you and steal all your shit and then especially they would try to do that while you're trying to exfiltrate your shit out in a helicopter it all becomes this big showdown and everybody goes pvp so it's a really cool way to mix um you know single player and multiplayer and i think that's going to be a big part of the future of of multiplayer, at least the future that I'm involved and invested in. Because there's that. There's another game called The Hunt or Showdown The Hunt, which has to do with, like, you all go hunting, and then at the end you're sort of funneled together to compete for who, like, wins in the end. Um, and then another great example of that is in Destiny. And again, I don't play Destiny right now. I gave it up, uh, you know, sort of after the Destiny 2 fizzled, um, before it was reignited with Forsaken. But it has this really cool um, mode that it's doing right now, and again, I'm looking up the name of it right now because it's important, um, that is a mix. And it's this mix between single player and co-op. So the idea is um, that you you first are, you're, you're basically doing mechanics. Um, and hold on, let me pull up the exact thing of what it's called. Um, it was called something interesting. Where are you? Um, the idea was that it's, let's see, that you, that you're doing PVE, but you can bounce over into, oh, Gambit. So you, it's a best of three. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. It's a new mode that combines PVE and PVP. It's called Gambit. It's a best of three rounds mode featuring the drifter as a non-player character. Um, let's see here. In this mode, two teams of four players compete against each other by defeating PvE enemies, mobs. Enemies, when defeated, drop moats, which players can pick up and deposit in a bank in the center of the arena. Depositing 5, 10, or 15 moats sends small, medium, or large blockers, respectively, to the opposing team's arena. So essentially, by doing single-player objectives, you're fucking with them and their single-player objectives. Also, um... The opposing team must defeat the blockers in order to reactivate their bank and continue cashing in moats. Every 25 moats deposited opens a portal, where one team member can invade the other team's arena. Moats are, and so your best PvP player would do that, right? So your killer sniper asshole, like, finally he's on your team, and he goes and just plays your other team hard. So you get the camaraderie of competitive and co-op competitive, but the single player, like, mechanics that i love and crave so if i was into destiny i'd be really into that it's got a progressive ranking system and it's it's really interesting so i think in all and then also we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out in um you know the new bioware game anthem when it comes out but it's going to be some kind of interesting mix of, of of single player and multiplayer together and there'll be some cohesion there so i think that's the future of multiplayer that intrigues me the most and that's and division two is also going to have you know similar merging mm-hmm um, no, I, it's like, I, I like, uh, the sound of, of some of those things. I just, yeah, I, 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 well, I always, I always chafe at the shared world shooter. I'm fascinated by it, but it's like, cause we, I really got into division one, but then it's like, it's really built around the, the, the loop. 
Yeah, as it were. Yeah, and it's well, unfortunate. Well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stop chafing when the Halo Show World Shooter comes out. If you don't play Anthem, I'm gonna be bummed. Just like I was really bummed when you didn't play Destiny, as good as it is, being that it's a Bungie game. But like, if you don't play Anthem, I'm gonna be equally not maybe quite as chafed, but pretty chafed. But to use your word, but when. When Halo's shared world universe game comes out, if you don't play that, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. That still hasn't been confirmed for Infinite, so that I'm, it, that it I'm shared hope- world. You mean? Yeah. Oh God. I mean, okay. Yeah, you're right. Look, I'm going to hold out hope that it isn't <laughs> until it is. So, okay. well, maybe it'll be, have tons of campaign like Destiny Two Forsaken and shit. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I digress. No, um, I'm trying to think of some the oh, the, big, Horde. the last. Go ahead. Or, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to point out, we have to make sure we talk about Gears and Horde mode. I, that's co-op, sort of, but it's really cool. Yeah, yeah Gears are. 3 is definitely a game I spent a lot of time in multiplayer with. Um, and, yeah, Horde mode is is a lot of fun. It's, it's a, it's, it is a co-op experience, but it's a very fun one. Oh, I remembered another game I was going to mention that actually reminded me, because uh, Gears had also got, it had in 3 the, um, like, play as the, the Horde mode, where you, you know, half the players oh, yeah. would be... The Horde Monsters. And that reminds me of the fact that I was a really big fan of the Left 4 Dead multiplayer mode. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Uh, where you would play as the special infected and you would attack people or try to get through and had a lot of fun with that mode as well. That's absolutely right. Um, that's another thing that's going to be big in the future is asynchronous multiplayer. Um, Friday the 13th is a big deal, right? Where one person gets to play Jason and everybody else... Um, is basically trying to escape, and then one person gets to play Jason each time, and it's really fun. And anyway, and there's a lot of I've, yeah, I've been fascinated by both that and Dead by Daylight uh, for that reason. That sort of asynchronous slasher multiplayer, but it's I mean again, it's those unique experiences that pull me in. Like even when I don't play them, I'm constantly fascinated by stuff like Rocket League. You know, I'm, I'm probably never going to play it, but I'm always like pulled to it by for yeah. some reason yeah I, I like seeing those modes yeah me too me too um but i you know it's always from afar i'd say and and you know another thing about multiplayer and i'm going to say this as a big blanket thing oh and i've played some uh multiplayer call of duty over the years also um you know especially in like modern warfare 2 3 and not 4 but anyway call of duty is a rough one man bang headshot immediately immediately it's got the quickest time to kill of any of the games that i've ever played at all seriously i tried to pick up world war ii i got it to play the campaign a little bit and i I jumped into the multiplayer for a second and i couldn't play i was just dead all the time like all the fucking time um but i i did play some of that and i enjoyed that um you know there's 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 some enjoyment to be to be garnered you know, from from those kind of experiences, I think. But it's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think of um? What do you think of the uh? What do you call it? Um, uh, the new trend in multiplayer battle royale. Um, I've spent a little bit of time with Fortnite, and uh, I feel like that is a game where I wish my friends were more into it because I feel like I would definitely have more fun. In, like, a squads mode where I was talking to people and, like, coordinating. Um, but no one I know is really into Fortnite or, or well, PUBG would be would cost money. But Fortnite's free to play at least. I'm always like, maybe. Uh, I like the idea of Battle Royale. Like, when I pick up Black Ops 4 eventually, uh, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Blackout mode or whatever, yeah. whatever it's called. Well, yeah, it's a more polished. It's finally, like, a really – I mean, not that Fortnite's not polished, but this is, like, the ultimate polish. And also – um, it's also like the PUBG realism mixed with that polish of Fortnite um, experience. So I, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that Black Ops Four is an awesome game. Treyarch doesn't fuck around. 
Um, but I mean, it's it's just another. That's a great example, actually, to bring things full circle for a minute and say that multiplayer is king in a lot of ways because that game doesn't even have single player. Yeah, zombies mode is single player ish. I think we mentioned this earlier on, but it's true and important to mention um, that multiplayer yeah. is all that game has now. Battle Royale overtook um, the single player campaign in that game. They were just like, fuck it, we don't have the resources. We really don't want to make single player anyway. It's not worth our time, not in this world anymore. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, it's a bummer. I hope the campaign comes back because they they made really good ones i know at, they uh, did mason my so, boy so um, it is unfortunate in that aspect but you know i the zombies mode is really good that's definitely a mode that i've spent a lot of time i'm with. really intrigued by nine that nine thing sounds really cool i love how vague they are about it and we don't it's like it starts in this gladiatorial arena and it goes all these places i've heard and i I'm, i want to play it through at least once I mean, they, the, from what I've heard, they're very good zombie mode puzzles, like the, the levels where you have to f solve them. There is more of a narrative push. There's more of a friendliness to new to single player in this one, a bit more of an I ability like to keep playing it. Um, so it, it's it, it sounds like a very good thing. It's just, you know, with all the other games coming out, it's it's rough to buy that for $60 without knowing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't I don't foresee myself ever doing that. But, you know, down the road, that'll be fun to play, uh, you know, somewhere here or there. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying uh, to think if there's anything else. What else? Are, what are we missing? Oh, there's one big one. Uh-oh. It's one of our favorite multiplayer games. Um, it was an obsession for us. And uh, that's You Don't Know Jack. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. And also, did, did you and I, or was it somebody else that I played um, Boom Blocks with competitively? That was someone else. Okay. Well, Boom Blocks was also fun. But yeah, man, You Don't Know Jack was like literally a staple. We would compete in You Don't Know Jack. That's right. And you know what's a real shame and it reminds me is that I don't play the Jackbox Party Packs because, man, the hype is real around those. Like they really have found their niche with those. Like Game Informer Podcast, they always talk about how great those games are. They are. I'm very – I'll be honest. I'm very tempted by the newest one that just came out. The first Jackbox Party Pack was the last one to have You Don't Know Jack, and it had a, a full campaign. The newest one that just came out has You Don't Know Jack in it again for the first time oh, since that's awesome. then. That's awesome. Um, oh, we love that, man. It's so good. Especially like it's, it's, it's multiplayer, but it doesn't have unlimited life. It has, it has a lot of, of like you know game mode – like of quizzes, but like it's like what, 150, and then you're done. So I mean, yeah, but that's still like you—you you know, they're about twenty minutes a piece. We so. didn't even get to the end of it, and we played no. it obsessively. So you're right. I mean, it's it's plenty, but at the same time, it's not like if people played that the way they play Black Ops, like they'd run out. That's all I'm saying. Sure, but you know, I think it does a good job of being uh, a lot of fun for parties. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think that's where I look at the multiplayer modes I like the most. I like bringing out Mario Kart Eight. At a party, um, I like playing games like Smash Brothers or fighting games where it could be more casual and just kind of a fun time. Um, because I'm someone who likes board games more, when I had big a big friend group, that's tended to be what we would play. But no, I mean, we played – I remember we played some of um, – not the Jackbox Party Pack, but one of the games that would it go on to be in it, uh, Fibbage. And it, uh, I think they, they came up with a really good system of being able to just log in with your phone. Yeah, that was really smart. Uh, that was really smart. I actually recently, the same person I was playing Mario Party with, I also played, um, not that this is anything but co-op, but I started playing uh, Hidden Agenda. You know that game? It's yes. The, it's the that theoretical the, like, sequel to, like, um, Until Dawn. 
Yeah, yeah. It's pretty rough, man. It's pretty rough. Like I knew it was going to be shitty, yeah. but I was like I got it's so compelling. Like it's 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 literally like heavy rain meets until dawn meets co-op and I was like I'm going to love this. It's just poorly written, unfortunately. Nah. It but, is unfortunate. I mean, I'm only on the second act, so we'll see, but like I mean, it's just so anyway. Um but but yeah. Well, any other thoughts on multiplayer, man? Um nothing major. I was still thinking of those games that got multiplayer grafted into them like Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah, had a multiplayer mode in. Uh, I think it was portable ops. And subsistence, of course, and and I think maybe. I yeah, um, but no, I think ultimately for me, multiplayer. It's obviously it's not the centerpiece of gaming to me, um, but I like what it can offer. I definitely play multiplayer games again. The, the whole inspiration for this were, were games that I think of in a multiplayer sense. Mario Party, uh, especially. Like I really love playing Mario Party with people. Um, that is really fun. Um, totally. Yeah, and, and I'm just uh, – it, it always comes down to I like innovation in multiplayer. I want to see good multiplayer modes, um, but I also want a campaign. I mean at the end of the day, that is my main love in gaming, but I, it's fun to talk about multiplayer. I also have a big problem with games that um, – like, uh, like Titanfall. Like I could never play – I know you played it some, but I could never play the single, the multiplayer in that game because it didn't have a real campaign. So it had no way to teach me those mechanics in a fun way. So I was never going to get good enough at it on a, you know, in a single player way to, to sort of, you know, ease me into the multiplayer. Now I understand Titanfall 2 has a killer campaign and it's on my shelf and I'm going to play it, but that's another one we didn't mention is Titanfall. That's true. That that was the Xbox One's killer app. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Now I don't even think they sell. Like, I haven't seen it in a sale in forever. I don't even know if they bother, but I know Titanfall 2 is on sale a lot. Yeah, and Titanfall 2 is, is beloved by a lot of people. I mean, it was one of those things that got, like, you know, its Fun own campaign. sort of niche following. Oh, you played it? I did, yeah. All the way through? Not all the way through. Oh, okay. Uh, but pretty about far. half of it. Did you play yeah. the time level everyone talks about? I did, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and the one with the assembly line where you're building houses and shit? Yeah, those are both really cool. Oh man, that's awesome! I gotta play it. It's only like four or five hours, man. What are you doing? Do they have another. That? We're we're getting a little off. But do they have yeah. another game in development right now? I don't know. You know it. Um, that's respawn, right? Let me see here. Yeah. Let's see what respawns up to. I'm I mean, sure they they're working something. on something. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's only not it's now. only either Vince or Zampella. It's not both of them anymore. But one of those dudes, or maybe Vince Zampella is one. Oh, they're now. working on a Star Wars game. Okay. Okay. That's there you right. go. That's right. Jedi Fallen Order, which is a good idea because like they need to like you know work with a a known quantity. They really do um, because it's just better for them. Um, trying to build your own franchise is really hard in the best circumstances. You know. Also, untitled virtual reality project. Oh God! Isn't everybody? Oh yeah, yo! The new Dark Souls is coming out. Haven't you heard? <laughs> it's called Mesaluna or Derasuna or Dinasina or some shit. Yeah. Dul- Dulcinea, that's actually the name of a, of a Toad the Wet's Rocket record, but I digress. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, multiplayer. I mean, it's it's it had more of an impact on my gaming history than I thought now that we've broken it down. So I'm glad you brought up the topic because I really didn't realize how much multiplayer I had truly played until we really dive, dove into all the different genres that are technically competitive multiplayer. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of... Uh... It's a lot of stuff, and they still come up for me. I'm, you know, I'll probably play. Well, no, actually, I'm, I'm playing The Evil Within too a good bit. So, yeah, that's next for you. You're gonna pick up Red Dead Man. So I'm just gonna say, like, when we first started recording this episode, we had to take a quick break because of technical issues, and like the first reviews have come out about Red Dead, and I just gotta say, like. 
people are just saying things like you're not going to believe this game it's like like it's not just so amazing i mean it's getting masterpiece scores but it's not yeah. just that people are saying it's bleak it's dark it's got something to say about the american west and and society it's it's actually really slow paced and weird and strange like i am so intrigued so intrigued yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely going to check it out at the very least I'm going to I'm now curious enough that I'm gonna see if it's on Redbox. <laughs> see if it's coming to Redbox. <laughs> it's such a long game. What are you doing? It's yeah, so no. long. I mean odds are um I'll I pick think it, up. It, it probably will come to Redbox because um, you know, it's it's one of those games and it and it may it may far cry you. You know, um you are you know you I think very realistically, yeah, that's a possibility. It, you classically were were got Far Cry at three and then it became your game of the year that year, which was really cool and was one of the best twists on our show ever. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, on that note, I'm going to be playing the rest of Odyssey and Red Dead. Um, and there's other things on my pile of shame that I talk about all the time. But essentially, I'm trying to just bounce through one game at a time each time. Um, it's going to be hard to really commit and finish Odyssey when Red Dead's out. But we'll see how that uh, struggle goes. Here's to the struggle, man. How about you? Uh, the biggest one, Evil Within 2. Like I said, I've, I've it, during our technical difficulty, I had a chance to put about three or four more hours into it. And I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Um, awesome. As far as games I'm looking forward to, I mentioned Hitman 2 is coming. Um, Pokemon Let's Play is coming. Yep. Or Let's Go. Uh, the the biggest question mark is Fallout 76. Um, another thing I got a chance to see during our break was the early beta reactions, and they're not super promising. No, they're not. The world is empty. It's buggy as fuck, et cetera, et cetera. Fallout's that never sucks. had good gunplay, but now you have to rely on it. Yeah, that sucks real bad when it's not, you know, stopping the action, which is the only saving grace of the combat in Fallout. So I'm a little worried about our favorite rock star over at, uh, at, uh, um, Bethesda. Bethesda? Yeah. Yeah. What's well, we'll see. What's his name? I just Todd Howard? Yeah, Todd Howard, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, I haven't loved a Fallout game since New Vegas. Uh, Fallout 4 was a miss for me. I'm hoping that – I really want to think that the co-op and getting to explore what they've built in a massive world and just ha- – if they have the things that are great in their Fallouts, which are self-contained stories, if I have to put up with like kind of janky gameplay to get fun, explored environments, then, then I could see well, going here's with it. We'll here's the problem though. Here's the problem though. All that's fine and good. But are you really okay with being hamstrung by only there being either dead bodies that you don't know why? How is it that there's so many dead bodies who just died that have quest logs laying on them or robots that are like, hey, go discover this thing for me. And then the only things to kill in the entire world are just monsters. There's no people to kill unless you want to do PvP. It's going to be weird. Um, It's going to be weird. I... We'll see. I just it's gonna come down to what the reviews say, and it just I want a co-op game. You know, we've been talking about multiplayer, and it's like it's been so long since there's been a good co-op game. You and I, we mentioned it earlier in the episode. We should play Dead Space Three. I actually think we need to do that. We really do because we can do it easily on Xbox with backwards compatibility, and I really want to play that. So let's let's make a point out of doing that. I'm game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, but, uh, um, on that note, um, I'm going to be real quick about this. So you can find us at thejoyofgaming.com, which is our main place. You can get the Joy of Geek and Joy of Gaming episodes there. Find us at thejoyofgeek.net and also um, the, at, at thejoyofgame on uh, Twitter. And you can find me at Rich Lepore on Twitter. And how about you, Jordan? You find me at IndigoMaster, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter as well as Jordan Alsaka Writer on Facebook and jordanalsaka.tumblr.com and welderkincomic.com for that written thing. Also, 
uh, since this is going to be out. If you want on Kickstarter, the Alloy Anthology Electrum is currently kickstarting. Uh, I have a story in that about my Middle Eastern uh, biracial heritage, and I'm really excited about that. And it's almost funded, so it should get there. It has about a week left to go. Awesome. Awesome. Here's to the continued success of your project's funding, my friend. Awesome. All, All right. right. Cool. Well, hey, man. Great talking. Great catching up. Multiplayer um, is in the can. And um, I will talk to you real soon. We'll have a lot more to talk about on the next episode, man. Definitely. Have a good one. Hey, YouTube. Bye-bye.